Hey. All right. Here we are. <laughs> here we are. Right Guys Podcast, taking over the airwaves. Episode one, the beginning of a what is to be a beautiful journey, I'm sure. I was going to say to consider your radio towers poisoned. So That's right. We're on completely different. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I, I like that, though. You know, like, yeah. like you know, sorry, radio, because here we are. And there's no one's gonna be listening to anything else but right guys. Mm. Mm-hmm. We are the right guys. I'm Micah. This is Ben. Thank you for introducing me. <laughs> and uh, we are this. This is our podcast. We've been working on for a while. Uh, we're really excited about it. It's finally here. Um, about a year in the making. And uh, this is a podcast for writers. We're just we're writing nerds. We love writing, and uh, we wanted an outlet to where we could uh, connect with other people of all levels of writing and share writing, share projects, talk about uh, things that keep writing at the forefront of our minds. Yep. We're stoked about this community, this opportunity, this whole idea of getting to write together. And there's nothing that, that we want more than to dive into this episode. This episode is about introductions. We're going to be talking about that topic uh, at length at the beginning. Mm-hmm. We're going to be going into some segments after that. These are kind of these are kind of just fun, fun, fun activities or portions just to shake things up, yeah. just to shake up the conversation. Oh a little yeah, bit. get a little crazy, you know. Uh, there's a lot of fun happens in here. We've already actually uh, shot the episode, so we know what happens. But um, we're going to be going into uh, we've got a segment, a uh, real fun segment called lyrical deep dive that will be returning. Um, and, uh, this one, uh, we're going to be going into some, Oh, sleeper lyrics. Um, that's going to be really fun. We're going to get answers to some of those, some of those long awaited questions that we've had boiling for, for Micah about, about all, all those strange worlds he's creating. (laughs) Yes. We're going all the way back to the beginning on this one. And then also bring your shovels and defibrillators because we uh-huh. are going into an episode, the first ever episode of Dead Words, where we uh, travel back in time and visit words long abandoned and decide which ones to revive and bring back to our vocabularies. All right, yeah, guys, don't be scared. Don't click away. Um, but uh, there may be a dead word coming back to life in this episode. <laughs> I think there is. Yeah, I can, uh-huh. I can personally guarantee it. Halloween just passed. We did we did track this uh, right at Halloween, so mm-hmm. it was very fitting. Um, but then we ha- uh, we are wrapping up with uh, our lyric or our our writing challenge, which this week was same but different, where we give you a sentence. And you have to rewrite it uh, using none of the words used in the sentence. And you ha- can't use any of the words in the sideboard, which was very devious. And this one was the dog buried a secret in the backyard, which is exciting. Really? Yeah. And there's a ton of good submissions that we got for that. We're super excited for you guys to hear that, to hear what we wrote, share those yep. as well. So, yeah. Yeah, Make and then sure we got a new it. challenge at the end of it. But you have to get all the way through it to hear that one. So before we dive in, everybody, go check out our Instagram. It is at Right Guys Podcast. Uh, Facebook at Right Guys Podcast. And we will soon have a website, rightguys.org. Without further ado, you ready? Yeah, let's go. Let's go.
first no. right guys podcast episode one welcome to the table yes welcome to our bar this is the right guys bar as you can see it's very uh very cozy low lit vibey if you're listening on podcast you can't see this but uh let's set the scene what are we looking at here ben uh we're looking at a, a saloon type atmosphere mm-hmm. with kind of a it looks like um whoever whoever designed this background had kind of an excitement an excitement or fascination with some type of uh of musical musicality oh or- yeah for sure i mean i see a uh there's like a stained glass uh acoustic guitar back there in a guitar what's yeah behind me what's behind me can you see nice, dude thank you good yeah. job doing the uh the background yes that was my handiwork everybody thank you very much yeah um so why don't we start off with some introductions as we said uh i'd like to introduce uh my co-host ben orthy here uh hi ben how are you I'm doing pretty well. Thank you. It's really good to see you. Yeah, you too. It's crazy. <laughs> like the simulated environment really does a lot for um, the the human mind. I don't know. Like I feel psychologically like I'm actually sitting in a room with you. I do too. And, and, and in fact, I'm in Texas and Ben is in Pennsylvania. Yeah. You may have been fooled into thinking that we're on <laughs> real live <laughs> This is not our actual bar. Maybe one day, maybe one day you'll come to the Right Guys podcast bar and Ben and I'll just be sitting here like this, tracking episodes. Yeah. Who knows? But This is Ben Orthy, though, everybody, and he is a uh, very close friend of mine. Uh, we actually started out, we met uh, from my band, uh, through my band. Uh, I met Ben, and uh, we became friends really quick and uh, are now super close friends. I actually, uh, I got the honor, I had the honor of uh, officiating his wedding. Uh, it was awesome and beautiful. Um, and we've, uh, how, like, how long ago did we start talking about uh, doing this podcast together? I think it was a full year ago that you... God, Really? I think so. Uh, hey, some good things take time, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and okay things take time, too. <laughs> that's true. That's true. I'd be happy with landing in okay or good, you know? Uh, but uh, no, we, we have. We, we've been talking about doing this for a while, and, and we've done many test calls. And we actually did uh, – I, I flew – or we, we, we flew Ben down to, uh, to Texas – to have like a, a mastermind session and to record the first podcast, which it was epics. This was in why? <laughs> yeah, we it was. A, a... We had a great time. It was actually a very busy time. Mm-hmm. We um had spent a lot of time working with audio equipment and video equipment, and ultimately, I guess what really happened is we underestimated how difficult it was to run it. It seemed really simple. I have to be totally honest. Like the <laughs> the the core concept of capturing two sources of high quality audio and two sources of video simultaneously and then being able to edit them all together into one cohesive thing while maintaining that it's two people having a live conversation with each other did not seem to me to be incredibly difficult at no. the time. 
when we started this endeavor. No, the I, whole format of the thing was the thing I was like, all right, we need to lock this down. We need to know what kind of segments we're going to have. How we did it, I was like, oh, pff, that's going to be easy. Yeah. Well, and so, mean, so we prepare for a couple of weeks leading up to the trip with ideas, planning ideas, planning segments, planning concepts, planning challenges, guests, mm -hmm. and then we get there and we're just like, we have all this stuff that we're trying to set up and it's like, we're both like music people. We each have like, we even have home studio equipment and it was still just like two idiots fumbling <laughs> with like sticks and yeah. stuff. Well, then you get a camera in our hands and it's like, okay, so how does the camera get to the computer <laughs> and how does the audio Dude, I, the camera. <laughs> they made it incredibly difficult to film podcasts on. Like, if you want to film a podcast, don't get a DSLR or mirrorless. No, no, no. Like, get a webcam. <laughs> Mike and I both have good, high quality, you know, like DSLR type cameras with nice lenses, and it's just like, oh, none of these can record for over thirty minutes in a row. Right, which is just a weird thing. That's just one of the, one of the fun hurdles that we found. Yeah, but when, why and, and and why did no one tell me this? And I and and I and I have a degree in film. I swear, <laughs> he does. I've seen it. <laughs> I, I showed you. <laughs> That's one thing that you got to know about Ben. He really likes to show his degrees. I do. I am some of the first things. Walk through that door. Ah, see, you can hang your coat on the wall right next to my degree. <laughs> yes, I'll be taking comments on that later. Um, but yeah, we, uh, have you framed any like awards or degrees or anything like oh, that? Oh yeah. Well, I've framed like albums and stuff like that. And, yeah, uh, actually, no, no, I, I, I've, I framed, uh, like, uh, magazine interviews. Um, yeah. I actually have an award right here. No big deal. It's a Fort Worth heavy metal band of the year. Oh wow! Uh, oh sleeper, right on your desk next to your. Hey, just so <laughs> happened to have it here. Hey, you asked about it. <laughs> Careful what you wish for, um, but uh, yeah, all that to say, um, uh, this has been a dream uh, come true. Today is it coming true? We're actually doing it, and we're really excited about this. Um, a little bit of information about uh, what this is is uh, a, a podcast where we're just going to be talking about writing. We're going to uh, go into the, the mechanics of it. We're going to go into concepts. We're going to be tossing around ideas. Um, we're going to be diving into songs, uh, books, movies, video games. Any type of writing is, is on the table. And, um, and any level of knowledge is welcome to join. Uh, whether you, you've always wanted to write, whether, uh, you've been writing all your life, whether you have a project that you are, um, trying to finish that has just been sitting on the shelf for a couple of years. Um, this is for you. And, uh, Ben and I are, we're not like professors or anything like that, but, uh, we do, we do have a, a, a serious passion for writing and, and both of us, uh, our biggest dream is to be full-time creative writers. So, um, if, uh, if any of that resonates with you, then, uh, then we hope you find a, a home here with us. Yeah. We, we want this to feel like a club that anyone can kind of just like jump in on from anywhere in the world and just be able to 
be in a community of like-minded people who just enjoy creative writing and just like share their work and get their work read and read other people's stuff, look at other people's stuff, have a good time. Yeah, that was something that that for for me growing up, uh, writing has had like it was always a free space for me whenever I could blow the walls off of it. But um, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of things in school and and everything that puts a lot of uh, really uncomfortable walls on it, and there's a right and wrong way to do it, uh, yeah. and it can really suffocate. Yeah, <laughs> there's, there's annoying now sideboards there's everywhere. Sideboards. <laughs> and dogs and secret bones. <laughs> Ben's Ben's referring to the the challenge this week, which we'll get to a little later. But uh, but yeah, we have um, the. I feel like I feel like growing up, a lot of people maybe got turned off from writing because of you know every school assignment is like write a paper on blah blah, blah and it's just like ugh, it's always the most boring stuff. Um, but uh, it but it can be really freeing and it can be um, a great outlet um, and it can really it can do big things. It can change writing can change the world and um, everybody's got a story. All you need to write a story is experience and uh, and you can go with it. Yeah, you, no matter how big your vocabulary is, you can write something powerful or just fun and both are important. So, um, yeah, we're the right guys. Easy. You're only making me want to talk about the challenges more. <laughs> I know, I know. We can't do it yet. We got to tease it. Um, but yeah, so uh, let's get into it then. So okay, let's get in. Do we want to talk about intros? I feel like I can talk. I could talk a bit about introductions as, as just as a topic in writing. Yes. We want to um, I'll right. intro. Uh, oh, by the way, I haven't introduced myself. I'm Micah Kennard. Um, I am uh, the the front man of a band called Oh Sleeper. And uh, I have a, a number of writing projects that I'm working on. Um, one of which is a children's book called Randy the Robot. Um, and it is about a little uh, cute little robot finding his life's purpose on Mars. And a number of other uh, writing projects. But um, I am I fall into that category of I have a ton of projects that I, I want to get out and I just, I, it's so hard to get them across the finish line and I, and it's hard to not get distracted and everything. And that's another reason why we're doing this is in hopes that we, that it encourages us to finish our own projects. Yeah. Right. So we're all in the same boat. Yeah. We both have a lot of stuff that we're working on at once. And it's just like, I think we've both realized that the hardest thing to kind of do is that that consistent work of like putting putting in creative energy every day to just get something done even if it's like crappy and you're going to go back and and polish it later into something okay and then into something good but like we both have have had uh, a journey <laughs> absolutely <laughs> to learning to uh and this and this podcast is a part of that journey learning to just put things out and learning to get into the mindset of consistent creative work mm -hmm. all the time. And so the challenges, weekly challenges, bi-weekly challenges, whatever it is, it's going to be a challenge per episode. And we're going to be, we're going to be writing. Yes. We're going to be writing every week for sure. There's a, a great, a great quote uh, from uh, uh, one of my favorite authors, uh, Joe Abercrombie, uh, who's just phenomenal. 
uh, he was getting interviewed, and he's he's this new art, this new writer who came onto the scene, and he's he's won a ton of acclaim. Um, and but he's a he's a machine, like he's just putting stuff out, and every book is so rich and and good. And uh, and he was being interviewed. They're like, Joe, how do you do it? How do you how do you put so much good uh, quality out there like so consistently? Um, you know, are, are you just always inspired? Like what, what's going on? And he was like, he was like, inspiration doesn't write books. Chair time writes books. <laughs> and I'm hoping that like, th- like right guys for me is like, is like forced chair time. You know, if we get this going, then it's like, and we could do these challenges then I'm going to have to focus on writing. And then once I am in the chair, that's kind of like the first writer's block. Dude. And it's crazy. Like going going in even this week in writing because i i've known that my writing skills have been dwindling a bit in the past few years as i've been um i i've just i was very involved specifically in writing um like word writing literature type word based things right now i'm writing a lot of music mm-hmm. and so i'm sort of out of the, like i've been out of the literary headspace for a long time and it it's just so crazy how how natural it it always was for me and i sort of took it for granted to sit down and just be able to crank out like just interesting sounding paragraphs about details in a world and it's like i sat down to do this challenge and it's like i feel like it's something that i've also felt in conversation since covid just being more cooped up having less interaction having less practice being using vocabulary like being like i talk like an idiot now sometimes it's like i catch myself saying these like um, down versions of sentences with like all the most basic like forms of words in them and it's just like yeah like this is just the way that my brain is is now like communicating because it's it's out of practice it's absolutely it's a muscle you know like it really is that creative muscle and it's already like by the end of the the writing challenge like i could feel like the the ice thawing yes like, like starting to like come come back and it's like super exciting and, and that's that's what we're talking about like writing every week just doing something every week is gonna get that fire going again and get that engine r- running up to speed so that then when i go to my other projects you know things that aren't challenges for the podcast i'm totally ready to just go all in uh with what with my like lyrics whatever it is yeah, that 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 engine is primed. Yeah, awesome. That that that's, the same thing happened with me. Where uh, like literally jumping into uh, to this this story. Well, once we once we posted the the challenge, which we will again get to another tease. Uh, but I remember we posted it, and I think like like ten minutes after posting it, I went and took a shower. And then immediately, like an idea came to my mind, and I started. I, I started. Write, I kind of got it on paper, and then went about my day. And then I was just thinking about it. And then I went back to the paper, and I tweaked some things. And then I was thinking about it some more. And then I hopped over to another one of my projects, and I had an idea on it. And I started just going in, and it was just kind of like like writing, and and my creativity and my imagination is like this door that doing the challenge and getting ready for this podcast kind of cracked it open and then the more that i worked on it the door kind of opened a little bit more and a little bit more 
And I want that door, I want to remove that door completely to where it's just <laughs> always open and flowing. On a window. Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully this that that's what this does for for us and for anyone listening too. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. So let's dive into some intros. Yeah, and speaking of intros, I mean, we're talking about just getting things out there. I think that is the most important takeaway that I could that I could give about the like like if if you're sitting there and and you know you want to start something and you're sweating over the intro, just do whatever you got to do to get something on the page. Yes, and that's like that's if if that means skipping, right? Write the intro last if you want to. You know, we've got a great lesson in the recording of this episode. We're recording the intro at the end once yeah. we already know what we have done and what and and what and then we can actually be excited about it and we don't have to say, I think we have good topics and I hope it's think, pretty good. I think it's, it's going to be a good one. And we can got just a real good feeling about it. Know what we are excited about and then we can communicate it effectively. And maybe that's the most important thing to do with an intro. So maybe, mm. uh, maybe taking, taking some time and, and, uh, and letting, letting just things flow out and letting your story kind of unfold. And then going back and, and taking a look at some of that, some of that earlier stuff, that introductory stuff later on. Um, I know writing introductions can be incredibly difficult if you if you don't know exactly where you're going. Mm-hmm. Um, I, the, I, I, sorry, go on. No, no, the just the 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 blank page. Looking at the blank page is is mm-hmm. the you know the blank canvas is such a daunting mountain to yeah. look at. Sometimes, sometimes it's sometimes you swing in. You know exactly what you're where you're going, but yeah. Especially when you just want to write. You don't even know what you want to write. You're like, I just want to write right now. And then it's like, ah, but where do I start? Yeah. Yeah, no. And it's like when I was when I was a kid, like I would just write all the time, just writing stories and stuff. And and I, it's funny. I feel almost uniquely qualified to talk about introductions for a couple of reasons. One being I feel like I've suffered from more foibles and fallacies than anyone else when it comes to writing foibles them. is a great word, by the way. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm, I'm, equ- I'm equipped to, uh, to, to at least warn people about some of the pitfalls that, that my brain tends to go into. Um, but also, uh, I had, a, I had big ambitions as a, as a kid wanting to be a writer. And I started a lot of epic fantasies, super mm-hmm. into epic fantasies and knowing the genre, obviously I did never, I never finished an epic fantasy novel or, or anything similar to that. But I, I did write about, uh, 10 or 12 introductions and that's about <laughs> it so <laughs> do you still have those anywhere yeah for sure i do i do have I like that would most- be really cool to dig some of those up and, and yeah, check them can, out sure. <laughs> um, but there was like this this quiz i took as a kid um i was really attached to the, the concept of wanting to be a writer from a young age and i remember taking a lot of quizzes like this to just like I don't know. I guess identity things as a kid, everyone likes taking quizzes or personality things. Mm-hmm. They, um, there was one of those like, you know, Buzzfeed, Quizly, Blogly things that was like, are 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 you a good fantasy writer? And this was like my like, Brett, I was like, ding, like, this was like triggered all like whatever <laughs> dopamine responses. This will give me the affirmation I need. <laughs> exactly. And so I clicked on it and I, and like, so it turned out it was like i i thought years later and i it turns out that the quiz was like 
are you a cliche fantasy writer? It was like, do oh, you? Oh, God. <laughs> and it's so funny because not only was I grading myself on that rubric, but in the way that any kid will grasp onto any sort of wisdom that they see in the world when they don't know better, that it, a lot of things in that quiz sort of just passively subconsciously became my benchmarks for good storytelling. Like, and like, what were they? Like, so the, the one the, the operative one that, that I talk about and that I want to talk about here was that the intro to your story is like 50 to 100 pages of nothing happening. It's just like it, <laughs> you just have like a, a really long, just like quiet, long beginning, just a long takeoff, just like really like slow and like really well thought and methodical. And I was like, I was like, dang, like that's tough. But yeah, like if you can, if you can get to page like 80 or 100 without having action, once that starts, like people, and this was like based on, so like, cause I, I don't know, I, I, as a kid, it was hard for me to read, I guess, and, and books always seemed so long and intimidating, and so the beginnings always seemed so immense and like boring, and mm-hmm. it was always like such a, a trudge to get to the catalyst. And the, and I like obviously I was someone who was begging for action the whole time, but I didn't really know what I wanted. Even I just passively accepted, like, oh, I guess it's a good thing to have like a long intro, and that's what I should like, and that's what I should write. So that's what I'm going to try to do. And God, so I just I hate stuff like that. I absolutely <laughs> hate it. I have no attention span. If if you're going like, if you if I, if some if like something hasn't happened within the first like two cha- like two chapters about as far as I can go without 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 something cool happening or yeah, I'm like, dude, all right, I mean, why like, am I reading this? And it's it's terrible. And I'm like I like I have a, a terrible ADHD, and it's like I don't even Same. know. I'm like. So I I can't follow it if it's boring, but I just expect it to be. <laughs> or that did at a certain age. Eventually, I learned that these are cliches. I, you, start, you start the process of detoxing, but those hooks are kind of deep. And it's like some of those things, I don't think that it actually was all bad. I think that, that what I thought made a good intro, I think... I did understand writing principles at, at the same time as I was, I was holding this fallacy in my head. I was getting my writing in front of teachers, in front of friends, in front of family and people getting it critiqued and improving. And so I was, I think holding what was a cliche and ultimately learning how to do something interesting with it. Like learning to in your intro, not, just go like super extreme right away but tease them in with more interesting subtle Mm -hmm. character intricacies and using that time to set up character development often is more interesting than explosions right so like taking making sure that you do have some time like like having a setup at the beginning of a book is important and it's like it it did give me an appreciation for that kind of a thing having having at least something to establish that you're you have investment in the characters having some form of maybe development that you can then have attachment to the characters before shit really hits the fan. Yeah. That's interesting. So it's almost like this put a, this, this uh, kind of scar, this childhood scar, put a constrictive writing exercise like on your, uh, on your entire approach, which forced you to, like you had this, this, uh, this, this event that you wanted to get to there, you always had this action that you wanted to get to, but, but you were like kind of using that as the carrot in front of you to keep exactly. like building what, a world. And what it did 
what was cool is it creates dynamics because uh. the, the, the loud parts are only as loud as the quiet parts are quiet, right? This is the same. You, you have this in all forms of art. It's yes. Contrary. And so got to have the valleys to appreciate the mountaintops. Exactly. And so that having knowing, and especially as someone who loved writing action and horror and, and like a lot of like super violent fantasy, um, I, I think without that constraint, it could have been too pedal to the floor, mm. if that makes sense. It, and it gave me sort of a balance of like, always wanting to to also on the other hand hold like a very very calm and suspenseful um opening and mm. a lot of moments throughout where there's like there's there's more uh, uh room to breathe if that makes sense yeah you know who's got just the best uh hand on that fader is Who? brandon sanderson mm. with the with the sanderson avalanche like he does such a good job of starting out. Well, he does. He does kind of the uh, the intro. Well, at least in in Stormlight, uh, he he does he does a the intro style of like, boom, throw you in uh, to this crazy thing that's happening, and then right. uh, and you're just like, you know, it kind of sets the scene, and then at least in, in Way of Kings, it's like four thousand years later. And then it's this slow progress, and it builds up, builds up, and then ev and then it's like the, the avalanche happens, and this huge event happens. But somehow he always builds up a bigger event after it, a bigger event after it, a bigger <laughs> event after it. And these are massive books that go on forever. But he's constantly he's got he's got such a great handle on that uh, that dynamic you know like mm -hmm. like bringing you down and making you focus on the micro and then this massive macro thing happens and then yeah. bringing it back in i think that that happens not only across the course of the series but within each book mm -hmm. i think as well as a microcosm because you you have sort of these these slower introductions to the book where you know the climax of the previous book has been resolved you have, you know, the, the months of, of quietude where the, the conflicts are just first forming. And then by the cl by the climax of like um, the last one that I read was the second one. The second the one? Oh, uh, what was that? Words of Radiance, like, yeah. There's so many problems <laughs> yeah. there at once. And it's just like you've given up. Like up fifty pages ago, you're like for sure most most of the characters are dead, uh -huh. and like, the world is probably gonna and there's supposed to be like eight more books in this series or something. You have and no it, idea how where, where how's he gonna get through this? Like like it is the biggest thing you can imagine, and then he somehow yeah. makes I mean, it bigger. I, yeah, we we I I absolutely love that about those books. Yeah, the the the, the tension, the building of tension is always great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for so sure. um what about uh what are what are your what are your favorite uh types of intros mm. i gotta say i wasn't expecting that one <laughs> 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 um what do you mean by that like uh well like um if or, or, or i guess i guess so now, now that you realize that 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 is a cliche, oh, 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 uh, like 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 when you, when you sit down to write an intro, like like where do you uh, where do you kind of fall? Like how do you what what's your what's yeah. your groove? I mean, I so I love to 
start with like you said something that hooks right like so action like and sanderson starting with action like is super good so while while i am talking about having like a slower paced kind of intro to a story i think having the the opening scene being something that can can really reel people in and not just like the hero is taking care of some chickens right and the first part like that was what that's a uh that was an intro to like an early story that i wrote and so that's like a lesson learned it's like the the whole beginning was just on a farm and the whole story is about like his trip to this city where he participates in like this big tournament and there's like magic and stuff and it has nothing to do with the chickens (laughs) (laughs) how long did you stay on the chickens just this it's just a scene like it's just a couple it's just a page maybe of him doing stuff but it's just like it's enough to be like what the heck is this about right and yeah so so i like an intro that um has like a, a hook but you don't like i love i love to see like a uh someone like like walking re- down like a hallway really fast like sweating or something uh-huh or like it like you know like they're worried about something but it's not like you're seeing a fist fight as like yes no so like building building tension in like an unspoken way that you're then expecting to see like a setup so like yeah i like i like it too as opening to a book you have a lot of or a book not necessarily it's because it's an opening it's an intro you have opportunities to create those unknown sources of tension that are ultimately the most compelling Mm -hmm. and yeah yeah, I like that. I I, I tend uh, to go more for the because I I I I find myself more on the side of I never know how to start things, <laughs> and uh, and I I just have to I just have to start. I just have to like barrel through and find myself. Maybe I'm at the end. Maybe I'm in the middle, and then I can I can kind of look back and see what the intro should look like. But that, that's happened a lot in uh, in songwriting for me, where I'll think of like a one liner for like a breakdown or something like that uh, in the middle of the song, and uh, and then and 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 be like, oh man, I love that. Put it in there, and put it into the song, and then I'm like, okay, so what does this mean, and what needs to happen before this, like, and what goes, what comes after it. Right. And that'll happen with me in, in storytelling too, uh, where I'll just have an event and I love it. And I'm like, oh, I could, I could write this whole event out. And as I'm writing this event out, you know, I'm looking at it in my head and I'm seeing characters and, uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll write them all out. And then I'm like, okay, so how did they get here? Yeah. And where is this in the story? And, and so I'll, I'll find uh, like one of my favorite intros uh, was... Is is in a book called The Grey Knight's Omnibus, uh, a Warhammer 40k book. Uh, uh, actually, our our drummer Zach Mayfield bought it for me. Thank you, Zach. Um, but uh, it starts out and it's immediately Space Marines drop potting into this demon infested planet or infected planet. Like the whole planet is a demon itself, and it's just like. It is like brutal imagery right off the bat. I'm getting violence. I'm getting gore. I'm getting like, like, like epic space battles, like just insanity. 
and you don't you you're learning these characters you basically like from like what they're screaming through their vox channels and and like it, and i i was totally new to the series uh or to the whole universe of warhammer and but already like in the first like chapter in the first chapter i had such a great idea of what the time was what was possible what the physics are in this you know you know like just the whole kind of world building was there and i had a hero you know and i and it just really set this huge bar um that uh i that you know that that affected me i i really liked that i, I liked that a lot more than um uh and i don't I, like i absolutely love game of thrones and and most uh most respect for it but just as somebody with with adhd and uh <laughs> like like really hard focusing problems starting out and like jumping around story to story to story to story to story to story and like and trying to keep track of all these houses and stuff like that um when i don't really have a reason to care yet you know just kind of like yeah. informational world building right that loses me and so it's harder for me to follow that like i i got into i got into to game of thrones after the um i shane actually bought me uh the first book and um and i i i tried getting in try to try to get in try to get in and uh i it just didn't click with me for whatever whatever point wherever i was uh in my my reading writing journey um it didn't then then the the tv series came out and now like i don't know now i'm like okay i really want to go back and and read that because of course george R. martin is absolutely amazing and uh, i know i've got a lot to learn that i can learn from him uh but also since then and this is something that you that you and i were talking about last night um i'm totally transparent about this i didn't read books really uh, like for the first like couple albums that that we put out, I didn't really read at all. And Shane reads a ton, and he <laughs> he was uh, he always like pressed on me. He's like, "Man, you are doing your imagination a disservice by not reading these books. You've got to get into this." And it's just always been hard for me. Reading's always been hard. The focusing and sitting down and and like I'm reading a, a page, and then like I. I start thinking about something else and then I'm turning the page and next thing I know, I don't know what was on the last page and it's just, it's hard. Um, but then audiobooks came out. So up until I'd say our second or third album, I had read m like two, maybe three books my entire life. Uh, and all my inspiration came from movies, video games, uh, and music and, uh, and poetry and stuff like that. Um, but now since, since coming across audiobooks, I've read 27 books and I'm stoked. And now, now I, now I feel like I can appreciate, uh, some of these authors that I came across early on in my journey, like, like, like George R. R. Martin. Um, yeah. so I'm excited to dive into that. I mean, it, it, have you, have you, wait, have you listened to the Game of Thrones audiobooks? No, not yet. It might be tough still. Some of the there's a lot of character names. Yeah, <laughs> the book form is like it's so hard for me still to keep track of like of like branching details. Like you were saying, like trying to keep track of the house names. 
-hmm. feel like would be even harder for me. <laughs> it was nice. It was nice having that in the format of I love the the intro to Game of Thrones where you have the map. You know mm -hmm. that actually really helped me. Oh, you put... watched? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I watched the show. That'll be that'll be easy to follow character names and everything. Then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But okay. but even in in the show that map like yeah. which which oh. by the way can we talk about maps and how much you love maps when they're in a book oh my god do that right just this segment on maps right now <laughs> i just want to i just i just want to i just want a little sidebar i love maps <laughs> I love a good map dude yeah even like in a video game when you got a map when it unfolded i'd be like oh yes do you like do you like it like you like when the, when your character's holding the map like in game or do you mean like if it's in the menu or anything you just like a good map no no no. i'm talking about if they give you a map with the game like a tangible real oh, map that you could unfold in your art book whatever you write. oh yeah i put those on I, my growing up i had maps on my walls like oh it was it was i, I definitely had the lord of the rings map on my wall shane had the lord of the rings map on his wall same yeah dude uh, anyway, sorry, but <laughs> gotta love a map. It's the map. I love a good pirate's treasure map. Ooh, treasure map's good. I yeah. Well, I would just say this, uh, for, for intros, I feel like, uh, like the biggest thing for like, for, for right guys right now is don't get caught up on an intro. Um, there's a million different ways to do it. Uh, there is the long, slow start. There's the, um, the farm boy with chickens. There's the, uh, the and then there's, there's drop potting in on an alien planet and, and with no preparation whatsoever. And they all work. Uh, right. there's everything in between. It's just get started writing. Don't get stuck up, stuck up on the intro, dive into whatever the, whatever you want to get to. Like if the intro is something you're just trying to get through to get to something fun, get to that, write that fun thing first and start running. And then like, you'll, you will gain momentum and go back and, and Super be inspired on your intro later. It's a good lesson for me. I histor historically always write A, B, C. And it was interesting hearing you talk about your process, starting with a scene in the middle and working out around that. Because when I write, like I, it's actually super similar. And I think, it's, I think it's, um, I don't know, like when I, so when I write from an in the intro, I'll write from the beginning and I, I don't normally skip around, but I also don't know where the story is going. It's mm -hmm. a lot, like you said, where you're looking at what came before, what, like what had to happen to, to get here and what would happen after this. It's like, I've learned throughout my years as a writer that this is a, called intuitive writing. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's when you don't outline or sculpt you hypothetically are putting characters into like a petri dish and seeing what happens Ooh, and like cool. letting their sort of motivations play out and oftentimes like an intuitive writer will be as surprised as an audience member upon a twist happening and this is something that happens to me when i write and it's like um it's really interesting to hear you talk about doing that from the middle of the story because it's something that I've identified for myself um, as I've kind of participated in different forms of art, music and drawing and things that this is how I do everything. It's not just writing like intuitive um, storytelling or intuitive uh, creative direction. It's like 
just starting from a point and working out in high detail. Mm. And like uh, when I draw, I just start with an eye when I draw a face and it always starts in the same point in the eye and it works out from the eye. And then when I'm finished, the face is finished. And it's just like that, what you were saying. Mm. So, so finding the scene that you want to write most, the scene that's most interesting to you and getting something down on paper that isn't, isn't just something that is, is just a bullet point and an outline because you don't know the full story yet. It's something that you're building out and the, the beauty of what you are building is what inspires you to write the next part. Mm -hmm. You inspire yourself because you're writing the scene that you're most excited about. And so you don't, if you're not right, like hypothetically, I think what the, the alchemy that's happening is because, because you're not just writing an outline, you're writing the part that you're most excited about. You're actually seeing it as something exciting and not just your writing project. And you're able to get into the headspace of being excited about what happens next, being excited about what came before and reading it with like a f sort of fresh set of eyes, almost of, of, the the same eyes that the audience member would have when they're really interested in reading something and so i just want i thought that was a a cool thing to point out I, yeah I, no that that's that okay. is that's that that's that magic point that I, I hope if you're listening to this and you've never experienced that it is so real and tangible when it happens and it feels like you're on a roller coaster that you're also creating it's crazy like but it's this boost of inspiration when like like you said like like kind of putting your characters in a petri petri dish and and being as surprised as the audience as you're writing it that's happened to me many times that's my favorite like space to get into so a lot of times i'll try to like create big event big event and and then like and then and then those two things inspired me on how they both like got this way, you know, like, like how, how they, how they came together. I, I lost my hands in the, the, <laughs> yeah. the camera, but, but yeah, so a big event and a big event. Oh, there they are a big event, big event. And then like, I'm so pumped on these. I can kind of work together and then, and then crazy stuff happens as the, uh, as the story fleshes out. Um, sometimes I, I, I find myself going back to those big events, and then adding things after that and tweaking them later, but just chasing that inspiration is so important inspiration is the um is the valuable commodity here uh with with writing if you have it don't ignore it jump on it um and you know as as in later episodes uh we'll we'll be talking more and more about that and how to foster uh, uh good soil to get inspiration built up like things to do to like and uh, as as such as like writing exercises and prompts and all that there's challenges challenges which we will challenges. get to <laughs> um but yeah that's uh uh that that's something that that i just want to encourage everybody listening uh if you got inspiration just just run with it open a note section and just start jotting stuff down um and uh and and see where it goes you don't have to start at the beginning do you want to go into a lyrical deep dive or do you want to do you want to talk about some of the the totality of your work first? Okay. Uh we'll do a little bit of both. Uh I'll, I'll do Can you tell me a little bit about um yeah. about Randy the robot? 
Oh yes, absolutely. So, um, so Randy the robot is a story that I wrote, a children's book. Um, I wrote it actually about ten years ago, and um, it got uh, you know I, I just loved the story, but I never thought about doing anything with it. Can you tell it's? Can you tell me like the story, like the basic story? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So Randy is a robot on Mars who uh, is this is set in the this is set a thousand years in the future, and basically he is uh, he's created by a a Brainianite, which is a a super small alien, uh, super small alien race inhabiting Mars at the time, and. uh, Frabble, his creator, is a brainy knight with a heart of gold, and he's this genius inventor. And he creates Randy. Uh, he is that create- Frabble right there? <laughs> Which one's Frabble? <laughs> that, that's Frabble right there. Hey, hey, there he is. Hey, Frabble. You get him. <laughs> um, he's sneaky. You got to watch him. But uh, but so so Frabble creates human-sized robots uh, for Brainianites to, to work out their Martian tasks on Mars. And Frabble creates Randy, but he doesn't give him a, uh, an instruction manual. He releases, uh, uh, well, he doesn't, he doesn't tell Randy his life's purpose, like his, the purpose for him creating him. He just releases him onto Mars for him to figure it out on his own. And he's got a little companion uh, named Bug, and uh, Bug has an instruction manual for Randy, and the and they finds out he's got all these gadgets and stuff like that. Um, but uh, Randy tries his gadgets; they don't work, and he thinks that he's a defective robot, so he throws himself away. And uh, then all of a sudden, he hears something, um, and it's a cry for help, and he starts running around, running around, running around, and. Uh, looking for wherever this this uh this this cry for help is coming from um he eventually uh can't find it he goes back um so distraught to frabble and he's he's he thinks that he's defective and he's like frabble someone needs our help i'm defective i don't work i need uh like, like we got to tell somebody and and frabble's like what do you mean you don't work you sounds like everything's working good to, good to me and uh Randy, they kind of replay his search, and he's he's using all of his gadgets in this sh- in this search. He just doesn't really realize it because he's so focused on the on the prize. Um, and uh, and uh, Frabble reveals to Randy that uh, he is a helper bot, and he made him a helper bot because happiness, uh, true happiness, lies in helping others. Mm. Um, and so okay. he's, all of his gadgets work as long as he's helping somebody. Uh, uh-huh. So that is, that's, that's the story of Randy the Robot. And it's really cute. Um, I'm really excited about it. It's going to be the first book in hopefully a series of many books. Um, but that's, uh, that's, that's it's my so, book. I love like how casually perfect it kind of like, the thematics fit together like it feels so i mean the images of it we'll have them up on the screen um are just like beautiful and and it's so um like you were like frabble the name that's what i was like kind of losing it over this time when you're telling because it's just so 
easily like just casually the perfect name <laughs> thank you <laughs> <laughs> thank you i was thinking about uh care like uh gnome names for my characters in wow and i had frazzle was one of them and then yeah. and frabble was a was, was a was a quick uh hop over just thinking about some like gadgety little gnome yeah um but thank you man so, i was really so excited about it in addition to randy i mean you have a ton of other stuff going on is are you doing a comic book yes so i started a comic book uh that I've I've had to table because I've I had I just had to finish I had to finish a project so I decided to focus on Randy first, um, but uh, I started a comic book series that follows our album the Titan EP mm -hmm. through Bloody Unbowed and mm -hmm. on, um, all and, one all one consistent storyline. Yes, yeah. exactly. So uh, our album Titan EP is uh, is a concept album that uh that follows uh this boy who's born blind and uh this is this is in the the near future and then um bloody unbowed picks up uh 30 years in the future from the titan ep and it's kind of a dystopia um futuristic setting but uh i have a it, it's it's going to be an adult comic so i'm really excited about that because um being able to write a kid's book um on one hand where it's all just good feels and everything like that which which is a big big part of my personality uh and just and just huge imagination and just go wild uh then being able to to go and, and write this like gritty adult comic um is also freeing because in O Sleeper, we have been in a very uh, constricted writing environment, um, just due to the following that we have and and uh, um, being a uh, you know labeled a, a, a Christian metal band um, for a while, which which we've fought hard to just be a metal band. Um, you know uh, what I write has always been the same, but you know to to label your band, uh, you know, like that is just, uh, ridiculous to me, but, um, either way there's, there's certain things I can and can't say in our, in our, our albums that, uh, that are true and that are, that need to be, uh, that need to be said, like, you can't like, like, like I got I just, I choose not to cuss on our albums and stuff like that, but I have no problem with cussing. And I love words. And sometimes a cuss word is the best word. You know, it's just another paint on the palette, you know, and I want to show the darkest darks so that the brights are brighter, just like we were talking about with the valleys and mountaintops. Um, and so having writing a comic that is the storyline that I've been so invested in, that's so ingrained in my head, but being able to blow all walls and restrictions off of it where I can yeah. show like, I can show I, I can I can there can be cussing there can be gore there can be nudity there can be love there can be all sorts of stuff like that um, that it just wouldn't run through the filter that that wouldn't that would be filtered out um, when you know releasing our music right um, so yeah, like, so that's writing. that's that's really that's a really fun exciting project um, and then yeah super interesting for you it's like um with with going back and forth between randy and that and yeah and just 
in your sensibilities as a person, like you were saying, you're such a happy guy in many ways. But really, are you happy or do you just like hiding from your pain? I don't know, man. Is, is this one way or another? <laughs> is this all a show? Is is my 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 uh, uh, extreme optimism just to cover up my extreme dark shadows? I don't know. There's some dark stuff up in here, though. <laughs> but yeah. it feels good to outlet the dark. And I think that that's another thing I'd like to encourage everybody listening to. Like, don't be afraid of your dark. Don't be, don't be afraid of your contrast. Don't think that you have to write just one thing. Oh my gosh, dude. I heard the greatest metaphor about shadows the other week. Give it to me. I completely forget which writer said this, but it's the closer you walk toward the light, the bigger your shadow gets. Ooh. Ooh. Where you walk toward your shadow. Oh. Oh. Okay, so the last part again? The more the, the farther you walk toward your shadow, the smaller it gets. That is so good. I love that. Yeah. Oh man, that works so well. I know, dude. <laughs> that is beautiful, man. And that's something that uh it just in it, it's interesting in in the the Christian music scene, which I'm very familiar with now. It is a no no to even talk about the dark, and people get upset when you talk about the dark. And it's like, well, why would you do that? Like, you know, like that that's not that's not of God and all this stuff like that. And it's it's absolutely ridiculous because to ignore the dark is way more dangerous than to keep it in front of you. Yeah, when you when you see a culture or a person who assumes the characteristics of denying the existence of darkness, this is the most dangerous. Yes. Individual. Like I I you see a show like It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, right? Where like it's just like like abhorrent characters, ab totally like ridiculous behavior, just like they're they're completely terrible people, and it's like, but this is what the show's about, right? And so they're writing this, and it's like these are people who I trust are actually like very morally understanding people because they understand the scope of what they're doing and why it's ridiculous, right? If you get a truly evil person. They're not going to get on TV and write jokes about how evil they are. They're right. going to hide. And it's like, it's like seeing understanding of darkness is almost always a sign of holiness, I think. Mm, that's beautiful. I think I, a, 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 certainly a sign of spiritual maturity uh, and, and consciousness. Like you have to... Both are going on with everybody, every preacher on stage, every uh, every person, every lead singer, every whatever, like like every person you know, your parents, everything. Everybody has dark in their life, and everybody has dark in their story, and everybody has uh, is is wrestles with that duality, and to deny that or to just yeah. not talk about it is i i don't see why people think that's a good idea it's, yeah people it's, who haven't seen the darkness in themselves are people who haven't confronted it right and and stories that deny the darkness are very bland 
you can't relate to them. Like they're really hard to click into. It just seems like it's just kind of like, eh, you know, it's, it's just shallow. You got to have it. It's part of that dynamic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So other, the other projects, what else have you been working on? We got Randy comic. Yes. Book. So Randy comic book, um, started a novel a while ago, um, that I do hope to finish. That is, uh, specifically the Titan EP. Um, and I thought about going back after that, um, you know, with whatever I learn in, in finishing that, uh, going back and doing novels for the, the, the first O sleeper albums, mm. like the Very son cool. of the morning through children of fire and stuff like that. That'd be, that'd be really fun. But also I've got these ideas for fantasy novels that I really want to do too. So I don't know. Um, uh, I'm kind of. All my other writing projects are are just kind of floating up here, and and I'm kind of hoping that Right Guys and releasing Randy, um, along with the new o Sleeper album that we're working on, uh, I'm I'm hoping that getting these things across the finish line are gonna just mm-hmm. really help shine light on what I need to focus on next. Well, Right Guys definitely could help. I could do I could assign a novel challenge next week. Okay, we got one yeah. week. Hammer out a novel. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, cool. I am excited. We are one thing that we talked about with the um, the challenges. We are planning to sort of surprise each other. Yes. So this week, um, I've I've prepared a challenge for you that you don't know what we're going to be doing. Yeah. You're not going to like it. (laughs) (laughs) Get ready. (laughs) Oh man, I'm stoked. (laughs) I'm joking. Um, gonna love it it's great oh good because i just say no i don't want to do it so there let's hop on to this next segment i feel good yes 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 um so what we got we got the lyrical deep dives coming up yeah let's hop into flagship to flagship okay so to flagship is uh um the first bit the first song uh my band o sleeper ever wrote uh, and it was also the first song that I ever wrote lyrics on, uh, because I was a pop punk bass player before I got on, got into O Sleeper and they were the first guys to, to trust me with the pen. And so you, what, what was it like? Just like, just starting out with, did they, did they really fully trust you right away with like all your lyrics like, and, and what was the process like for for writing because like obviously with with metal with like breakdowns maybe very rhythmic your focus is like what you have to match so tell me about that so no like very recklessly they trusted me um <laughs> I, I i was completely brought into the band because of my myspace page and that i looked like a cool guy uh i had a handlebar mustache i had a cutoff jean jacket um and uh, how old were you oh geez i think i was 21 you had a handlebar mustache at 21 yeah buddy come on i'm trying to picture the no i had a i had a pretty pop in myspace page and um i remember ryan our 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 drummer uh our first drummer uh and co-founder he messaged me and uh he was like he's like hey you look cool do you play guitar and i was like no, uh, I play bass and, and do background vocals. And he was like, oh, so you do vocals? Uh, 
like and i was like yeah background vocals and he was like okay what else do you do and i was like well i'm in i'm in college for screenwriting and he was like oh you write like lyrics and i was like no like movies and uh he was like okay uh well do you want to come hang or he's, he's like so um what kind of music do you listen to and i was like oh, i like metal i like like scarlet um every time i die i'm a sugar deftones and he was like oh awesome i love all those uh you want to come hang out and this is at like this is at like midnight um and I see but, this, is a, this is a tradition that you've continued <laughs> this is when i get calls from you if you yeah. <laughs> from between 1 and 3 a.m. Yeah. What are you doing? You want to hang? <laughs> In the studio. B yo, Ben. 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 Put it on FaceTime. Let's rap. <laughs> rap first on this track, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> That's happened multiple times. Uh, we'll get into rap later, too. Uh, we love to rap. But um, anyway, uh, I, I, I checked out his page. Uh, they were in Terminal at the time, so... Uh, like his stuff looks super legit. His pictures look pro. And I was like, yeah, I'll go, I'll go check it out. So went over, hung out. Uh, we met up at a Whataburger and, uh, ended up crashing over at Shane's house that night. We all got in the hot tub. Um, and then we practiced the next day. And that was when I wrote, uh, the first line or the, actually <laughs> in the middle, the bridge section was the first thing I wrote, uh, with, uh, mm -hmm to to flagship all right so yeah what i'd love to do is have you kind of go through line by line if you have the lyrics in front of you okay and, and break down what we are actually seeing in the because this is all taking place in a story world correct uh-huh so i'd love to have to, to to see a breakdown of what we're seeing in the world with because that a lot of these lyrics are things that mystified me for like a lot of my youth <laughs> we're uh -huh. just like we're just like the cool lines that like a lot of them were just like mysterious just mysterious enough that like i could get like vague images in my head of like things that were going on but like i couldn't quite place like exact characters and scenes all the time and i felt like some of it always went over my head and so i just want to hear your breakdown of like like literally like what the line means like what each sentence yeah. is to, yeah. Okay. All right. So here we go. Um, we start out and, uh, it, and it's, it's one step meets to open in the C street. Uh, and basically this song was the first, uh, thing that we did. Uh, this song is the first thing we did as a band this is the first time that I ever wrote a song. Um, and, it very much, uh, but I, I really felt like it was, uh, I, I felt like I was being called to do this. It was what I always wanted to do. It was um, really exciting to me. I, I, I had been in bands for about eight years before, multiple bands. Um, really, I wanted to be a career musician so bad, uh, but I also loved writing. And uh, what, uh, what's that? I can relate. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, I, I was in, uh, I was in college at UNT for, uh, screenwriting at the time and I was playing in a band and I got offered this opportunity to be in this band. 
uh, or to try out with these guys. And I, you know, I prayed about it. I just really felt like this is what I was supposed to do. And it very much felt like, uh, um, you know, that the, the story in the Bible of, of Simon walking out or Peter walking out into the waves, uh, like stepping off the boat into this crazy, uh, storm. One step meets two open in the C street. Yeah. And, And like that, that's, that's what it felt like for me. Like I felt like God was calling me to do this and, but it was terrifying and it didn't make sense to me at all. Like I'm a bass player. Now I'm going to be the front man for these guys who have all been doing it. Shane was in between the berry to me. These guys were in terminal and like, it's just like they were from a different world and they were so good at what they did. And I was supposed to like step in and be the front man of this and control the message and everything. And it just, it was, it was insanely scary for me. Um, but so that's, that's why I started writing the first song about, um, and it was a one step meets to open in the C street. We will reign free, but I can't be King. I can't, uh, I got, I, I, I can't be the, I, I got to keep my eyes like on the motivation here. I gotta, uh, I've got to, I can't rely on my, 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 myself here. Like I got to know that I'm here for a reason and, and know that this is going to work out and that I've got the support around me, um, to do it. Uh, write me from this dead bulb. Uh, I really felt like I was going dim as uh, as a creative, and uh, and and I, I felt like I had a lot of unrealized potential that I hadn't risen to, um, and I knew that if I was going to take on a, some any kind of role of leadership, I needed to to work that out. Um, then it, it repeats: one step meets two. Open in the C Street. We'll. It's so cool how you use like different imagery, like the <clears throat> the dead bulb. Like that is one that I never, until you explained it to me, I never <laughs> uh, understood exactly what it was saying because I just think of a bulb as like a plant. Yeah, I was like, it's like a dead, like a a dead dream of like a dead child plant or something or i thought for a while i thought it was temple i thought that all the lyrics were wrong and it was the line was something about a temple oh nice well it it could work as bulb uh as as like a as like a plant bulb like like a seed that won't grow or something like that like that would that could totally work um but uh uh yeah then we repeat we were free as sons of the first king um when wave meets foot a ship's wreck will drown its crew, uh, and that was uh, that was just just me me replaying the fears. Like whenever I step off this thing, whenever I step into this thing, I'm gonna crash. Like mm-hmm. like this is gonna uh, this is gonna wreck everything. Like I can't do this. Um, just so nervous. Uh, every every man must face the fears so he can brave. Please turn this vessel back to flagship so I can brave it. Hold fast and brave. Um, and that's, that's, that's kind of like the, the, the response from my, when may wave meets foot, I'm, when I step off this thing, I'm going to sink. And then the response of that is you've got to face the fears and brave, uh, 
And then my response to that is, please turn this vessel back to flagship so I can brave it, hold fast and brave. And that was, I had, I had, there were times in my life where I felt like uh, I, where I felt strong in a leadership position. Um, I'd been, I'd been like camp counselor a lot and, um, and stuff like that. I'd, I'd worked a lot in like youth groups and everything and really felt like a, a firm footing, but it had been a long time since then. And, um, I just didn't feel that confident. Mm. Uh, but I knew that like, uh, you know, turn this vessel back to flagship, like, like something like the flagship is the pride of the fleet. So like the, I, I saw that as like, like turn me back to my proudest self, like, like, like to the, to the, not my proudest self, but to the, to the self that you were proudest of God. And, um, and so I can brave it because, because that guy could do it. I know he could do it. Um, and, uh, and so that's what that, uh, and so, so I can brave it, hold fast and brave. Um, every man who steps aboard must face the fears and brave. We're all in this together. Um, uh, he must brave because even the most pray. Why are we there yet? Uh, Where are we at now? We were just getting to the to the brave part. Yeah. You, okay. Yeah. yeah. So I can brave it. Hold fast and brave. Every man who steps aboard must face the fears and brave. He must. Bra- oh, sorry. Yeah, we didn't get to the even the most careless ship. Will okay. We were sorry. Yeah. That's right. Okay. We cool. All right. Well, yeah. So before we go into that, if if you were ready to. Yeah. I won't. Um, point out one more thing because it was just one of the main things I was noticing as we listened to the first part like I don't know I, I sort of feel like uh, one thing I've been doing a lot recently as I've been getting really into songwriting is like trying to break songs down into their core components that I can like take and like understand and then like retool those things and and sort of use them but um, I feel like a lot of songs can can sort of be, be in a lot of ways broken down often into like one core idea like 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 the song like hallelujah for example like there are oh. many melodies in that song like a lot of the lines sound different from each other but at the same time the lines have a certain like patterning that is like it's one idea so it's like this like and but like every that's like one line but although the melody changes the a lot of that the rhythmic signature of that stays the same and yeah the melody signature not necessarily the notes but the fact that it's two notes that are low going up to two notes that are higher almost like a theme exactly it it establishes that there's a a single i think oftentimes core identity that you can boil a song down to that's that's much more basic and fundamental than any of the the lit the wordy like conceptual things you could say about what the song means overall it's just oh yeah this song is the da 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 song yeah it's like uh it it goes beyond just just melody and toying with that into rhythm and other sound based things of like i think a song is like just a core idea of like a repeated pattern or something that that you can kind of groove to yeah and song i think the lyrics are there's a lot of parts that do that the guitars have those elements and other things but the lyrics have a great um patterning the the rhyme scheme is very uh it's it's super in your face but at the same time very subtle because like i feel like a lot of people won't even notice that it's a rhyme scheme but Mm -hmm. there's almost nothing in the song that isn't in the rhyme scheme 
it's like this two word and it's like <laughs> <laughs> you you have the you have this opening part where like it's it's not rhyming in the traditional sense where like all this the the syllables are doing the same thing like one step meets to open in the c street we will reign free i can't be king write me but you start to feel these things like c street reign free be king write me like there's like there is a flow to the things that are happening and it's not always a direct rhyme but the places that it happens are rhythmic enough that you start to pick up this pattern and it feels like a rhyme and and the way that you scream it obviously because you have a lot of choices in screaming and in singing in general how you want to enunciate something you can kind of bend those things to make them rhyme and you do that very well in this song thank you and and it's it's funny like that in itself what what made that was in itself a constrictive writing exercise for all intents and purposes uh because the time signature and that that it's written in and the the guitar riff and the drums behind it is like bop 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 and so i'm trying to write a story oh but it's got a hit on that and so i'm really left with these kind of like two syllable barks that i got to get this thing through and so what i'm and and in just the way that i write like i like I want full ideas, uh, like like in each little like uh, chop, mm -hmm. and so it really it really forced me into that. But now, like like once like although it was a pain in the ass like to to write like that, and and to force kind of force my 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 uh, my my creativity down that road. Now, like looking back at it, I'm I'm so happy with it, you know, and I'm so happy with how it turned out and. And I would have never written this if that constriction hadn't been placed on me type thing. Um, and and you see like there's a lot of repetition of brave, like hold fast and brave. Like that's the answer. That's the answer to all of this uh, that I'm that I'm speaking about and and um, all this fear and and uh, anxiety that I'm having. Like the answer, the callback answer keeps being. Hold fast and brave. Hold fast and brave. Like and, and and the idea of being like like being on a ship going through a storm. It's like what do we do? We're in a storm. It's like hold fast and brave. Like we can't. You, you, there's no turning back. You're not just gonna. Oh, okay. Let's not be in the storm. You know, like oh yeah, sure. Let's just turn back home. No, you're in a storm. You have to hold fast and brave. Like that's all we can do. Uh, then because even the most praised of ships will wreck when the captain is careless. Um. And that is uh, just like a focusing point. Like, you know, you're, you are, uh, you're the front man, you're, you're directing this vision. Like, uh, doesn't matter how, doesn't matter how gilded you are. doesn't matter how capable you are or anything like that. If you're careless, you can, def you can definitely sink this thing. So, uh, so focus up and take it seriously. And I was, um, I was very distracted at this time, uh, and uh, I was I was definitely like uh, really enjoying dating, <laughs> and uh, and that was that was definitely taking up a lot of my time, um, and I was I had this amazing band that that wanted me to be in it, and we were we were creating this this really cool thing, um, and I would skip practices uh, and stuff like that and 
you know, that was, that was kind of like a, um, I guess a, a reminder or that, that was, that was, that was me saying what I know, like, like, doesn't matter. Like, like if you're careless, like this will all go under. It doesn't matter that you're with these established musicians. It doesn't matter that the songs are sick. It doesn't matter that, uh, that this is actually coming together, that they like what you're writing. If you're careless, this will sink. Um, and then, uh, Oh, captain, the waves are like jaws dripping. Um, Oh, let me not be made meal to the sea. And that was me just looking at all the self doubt, um, that I felt like was going to consume me because everybody has their instrument that they've been playing and that they are, that they're tested and, and have been successful on except for me. <laughs> I don't even have the, the bass in front of me anymore, you know, which is like a nice barrier. And I'm also, I'm screaming into my bass amp that I brought to practice uh, through like one of those connectors that's like a that's like an XLR to quarter inch and it's it's like this long. Um, no one can even hear what I'm doing. Uh, so there's all this doubt, and they're like they're excited, but I'm like in my mind I'm like y'all y'all can't really even hear me like and and we're already talking about next steps and we're talking about how uh, like Epitaph is interested in us and stuff and I'm just I'm just like uh, I, I'm just terrified. Uh, oh, let me not be made meal to the sea because I want to be strong. Yeah, I want to see the cannons jump, strip my pride, strip my pride, let no fault meet this hole. And uh, that, uh, yeah, I want to see the cannons jump. You know, that was like recognizing the potential of this band. And like it, I kind of saw that as like being down below and seeing all these armaments and just seeing like this thing is ready for battle this thing can this thing can survive uh but if we go down in this storm we'll never even see these cannons go off you know we won't we'll never see what this thing can really do uh and that was again like i don't want to be careless i don't want to sink this before we even get to see what it can do um Strip my pride, strip my pride, let no fault meet this hole. My pride has been, uh, for me, my my own uh, personal journey has been the biggest thing for me to overcome. And uh, and that was just me recognizing that and just, you know, just praying that, that God helped me contain that and not let me get a big head about it, not let me, uh, um, you know, just kind of check out. But... Uh, I know the reef's kiss, it cuts and sinks, draws me deep inside her. I won't fear her through swells. We will reign free. Um, that honestly was uh, the, um, the, the idea of like what was, what was, what was really taking my focus was um, I, I was feeling really full of myself, you know, uh, and, and I, in bands, like I, I like to meet girls through bands and stuff like that. And I like to, um, uh, have fun with that and date through bands and all that. And with this, I was given the message, you know, like I could write the message of this band. And when people found this band and I, and it was going to be popular, uh, it was already gaining popularity way more than any of my other bands, like super fast. Um, I 
I basically I made a I made a vow to myself that I was like I'm not gonna date fans like that's it and because I don't want to because I will ruin this for someone who's supposed to hear it um I know I can I have I can do that I will do that and so um basically it was really tempting is definitely very tempting like as a as a as any band member uh you know it doesn't matter what you look like as a band member you can be you can be the you know you can be great looking you can be the ugliest dude in the room but you're in a band and you're gonna get passes and stuff like that uh and i just um i knew that was gonna be a big struggle for me and so i started writing it into the songs right away so that whenever I'm on stage and I'm seeing these, I would be reminded of it. <laughs> and that was like my own accountability check. But I know the Reef's Kiss, it cuts and sinks, draws me deep inside her. Like that was the, basically like, I know how bad this will feel if I go down that that road and ruin this with that. Um, so I'm going to remind myself of that and try to steer clear. It's like the opposite of the R. Kelly, do you have your shots, do you have your passport song. <laughs> yes. Yeah, R. Kelly and I are kind of a, a yin and yang, I'd say. Yeah, I, I, you kind of met from opposite ends of the spectrum. There. Yeah. He's got like uh, the voice of an angel. Mine's a little darker. <laughs> you know, the lyrical content probably swapped. Uh, but... Uh, Anyway, uh, I won't fear her uh, through swells. We will reign free. Like, like ultimately, I can do this. You know, I can I can control myself, and uh, and and no matter what happens, we're gonna we're gonna get this uh, as sons of the first king, the sons of flagship, and uh, you know that was uh, that's obviously uh, sons of God. You know, this righteous. Uh, um what like like uh this righteous march the banner. yeah the banner to fly the, banner. Yeah. the sons of flagship you know and that's like the pride of the fleet like we are we will be we will be the best version of ourselves we will be the the flagships of our own lives and boom that's to flagship very cool all right so epic yeah <laughs> epic bruh all right that's first lyrical deep dive that's going to be a reoccurring segment as we have guests on this show um and uh just you ben and i are both big uh music lovers a music yeah. lover now i really hate them wrong tombstone we both <laughs> we, we both love um writing lyrics and we both are huge lyrics nerds yeah so we have a lot of our own lyrics to talk about and things to say about other people's lyrics yep and so we'll, we'll be having songwriters on here talking and diving into their lyrics we'll be uh bringing back oh sleeper lyrical deep dives here and there so that's gonna be fun so yeah now it's time for that next one I'm, it's time for some dead words baby oh, you're running this one right so yes i am i'm about to be surprised by some dead words so this segment is basically we're gonna have uh is it three words this time it's three words I have three words uh, that are old, dead, uh, archaic words that we're basically decide we're getting our defib defibrillators out and deciding whether or not we want to resurrect these these words, bring them back for good. And if we bring the word back, it's going to become a right guy's. Uh, it's a member of the family, essentially. Yep. 
So these the words we're going to be collecting these dead words. They're going to become essential part of our community community vocabulary. There's going to be special kind of. Uh, there's honestly not going to be like prizes or anything probably, but there's going to be some kind of special respect points, respect points for using revived dead words in your challenge stories, Boom. things like that. And so right now I'm about to load up some words. I'm seeing for the very first time that Micah has, has prepared for me from this dead words catalog. Um, and we're going to sh- pop those up on the screen Yes, and uh, these words uh, are brought to you by Little Book of Lost Words by Joe Gillard. Uh, I love stuff like this. I've got uh, I've got a couple bird, uh, books of um, of endangered words and dead words. Uh, yes. Collie wobbles. So yeah. So if you like this kind of stuff, highly recommend. Uh, y'all check out this guy's book. He's got tons of these. But yeah, so Collie Wobbles is the first one. <laughs> Let's talk about it. Okay, so Collie Wobbles. It's a noun. Collie Wobbles. Uh, 19th century English. Okay, so what's happening in 19th century, Ben? Don't. Dude, this is a bad idea. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> last time, you know, on our last, um, when we tried to record episode one, Michael was trying to place the date of like every dead word that we had, and we ended up going into this like bullshit history segment. <laughs> people who actually who actually don't know anything about history, nineteenth <laughs> yeah. century, and it's like even that's kind of a toughie for me. Uh, Same here too. Kind of picture like what people looked like at that time, and maybe like, go around some like names. I, I could try to write a scene that takes place in that time period, but I could not tell you historical facts. I do not know what was going on. Like I'm America existed. America existed. Okay. I think I think we're like Yeah, oh, I'm yeah. not I'm not even gonna try to get into that. Whenever I whenever I write in a different time period, I just I go straight to the right straight to the books and look it up then and I, then I kind of memory dump as soon as I'm done writing. It's just like, okay, I was there. Didn't learn well, anything. I, I vote that we don't try to excavate any false facts about. <laughs> okay, that's probably safe. Okay, so collie wobbles, collie wobbles, stomach pain or sickness from nervous anxiety. A dram of scotch before your wedding ceremony can calm your collie wobbles. <laughs> we we got a picture of collie wobbles there. We can put that up there. Gosh, let's yeah. put the picture. Of collie wobbles. Yeah, Look at oh. She is certainly experiencing stomach pain or sickness from nervous anxiety. <laughs> She's got the collie wobbles. I'm telling you, man. Woo. I mean, you've made my job very easy, sir. I ta- I'd say I'd take uh, I, 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 my first O Sleeper show. I definitely had a case of the collie wobbles. I threw up all over backstage. Like, like we went in the first song, and I, I had eaten. I had, I had had a a sonic ocean water giant one and chili cheese tater tots <laughs> and after the first song i was so i had so i have i had the collie wobbles so bad i ran behind stage and blew chunks everywhere oh, so no. that's uh that's that's a true story it wasn't the wasn't the only time yeah i've had i've had my fair share of collie wobbles um i i okay here's my instinct with the word I obviously it's hilarious. 
Um, it is a, it is a very silly word. It's silly. No if way around we, it. If 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 we start bringing back too many silly words, we might have a problem. Okay. Because because if if these dead if this dead words list just becomes a list of all ridiculous words and there's like nothing like then then I think we're but but this is a valuable one and That's I think good. For this, we have absolutely no reason to think that we're already getting overboard with the silliness. So I'm going to say absolutely resurrect Collie Wobbles. There's no way that I'm putting this one back in the ground. Well, hold up. Hold up. Let's let's talk about dead words. Do we want to choose? I sent three over. Do we want to choose one that we resurrect so we don't have to You can only maybe? resurrect one. Okay. Ugh. I like this idea. Okay. So I'm not going to decide yet. Okay. So let's, let's move on to the next one. Okay. Jeez. This Woo! is... Oh, turn it into a whole other thing, dude. I know. Remember to just respect the screen. All right. Oh, yeah. I'm respecting the screen. Oh, there we go. <laughs> okay. There it is. Fruits. Hey, fruits. Uh, to frolic <laughs> exuberantly with noise and energy. <laughs> oh, man. This is 18th century. Uh, don't know what's going on there, but uh, good stuff. They would fruits through the mall holding their frozen coffee drinks and clutch purses <laughs> is the example. <laughs> That's a perfect example. Oh, I love that. Hilarious. Good job, Joe Gillard. That was, that's good stuff. Do we have a picture of fruits? We Let's do. see some people fruitsing. I love how... Oh, they're fruitsing it up. The styling of this book <laughs> is like <laughs> so like it's so self-aware about the just, Renaissance paintings, <laughs> right? Like the 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 mingling of how much it is being modern slang while also being about old words because it's like using these. I feel like in like a self-aware kind of postmodern way. Uh huh. Like it's just seem it just seems almost like to have a sense of like zoomer nihilism to it. I I I love it too. Like like okay yeah we're these like these looking at this like Renaissance painting and like these these are definitely ladies who are uh, fruncing through the mall holding their frozen coffee drinks and clutch purses. Right. <laughs> Look at them just twirling themselves and exuberantly with noise and energy cacklings yeah so fruitsing is fruitsing is great i'd love to have a good fruits you know yeah. dude i i mean we all we all could use a good fruits i'll tell you what after a few drinks i fruits it up do you i'm known as a fruitser nice yeah okay I let's any fruitsers but uh that's good to know all right okay, this next one i that's, that's a good one <laughs> smash it <laughs> <laughs> Smatch it, an ill-mannered, despicable person. Ooh, what a smatch it! Gosh, dude. God, that, that is really good. See what I was saying about Collywobbles. This one captures, I think, all of like the punch and the usefulness that you expect from one of these really ornamental dead words without without becoming like silly. It's like a, it's 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 gritty enough. Yeah, snatch it, stole my purse, and then fr frounced away with it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that smatch it who stole my purse. I bet he's fruncing about spending my money at the mall Maybe with frozen wobbles. coffees. <laughs> and I, I'm stuck here with the collie wobbles of what it's gonna do to my bank account. 
Uh, I get I get some points for working all three into a sentence just now. Just I'm oh, just, we I think so. Gotta put the picture of the smash it up. Here. Oh, let's see. What does a smash it look like? That's amazing. Oh, that's a smash it if I've ever seen him. <laughs> okay, so for people listening on the podcast, like, what are we looking at here, Ben? Yeah, I'm sorry. This guy, I mean, this is a lot like the guy actually I was imagining when you said that you had a handlebar mustache when you were 21. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like uh, he looks simultaneously very young, but also very grimy. This is very much reminiscent of my MySpace default. <laughs> so this guy's got a gigantic hat on. Uh, they captured like like the the careless, aloof, drunkard energy of a totally um, of a totally like degenerate adolescent teen from the 18th century. Yes. Yes, absolutely. This is a smatcher. This guy is so ill-mannered. He's despicable. 19th century Scottish word. Our uh, our our uh, example is don't be a smatchet. Call your mother. Yeah, dude. And boom. I think I I mean, we can debate it if you want to. I think I know which one I need to bring back. Wait, okay. Okay, you've got one you've got one uh one revive yeah. uh needle one do adrenaline have, needle do, do we have another one like do i have like one revive one like booster shot and then like gun or something like <laughs> okay how about this uh, okay all right all right so we'll do this we can revive one and we can carry one over to the next challenge but uh and then and then one's got to die what do you think about that or do we just put them all good, but that, what that actually does in terms of natural selection is like ultimately kind of give us like get us a pool of like second best words right like it, it helps us uh -huh. to find things that are like not quite the best but although if we no, yeah because we want more words we want to see more words we want to do new ones every time i don't yeah I don't think we'll pass i think you got one defibrillator yeah. charge yeah. Okay. Um, I right. bring match it. You go and smash it. I feel like I have to use that uh, word. Yes. <laughs> I, we are in total agreement. Smash it is my choice too. Okay. Good. All right. So let's warm up those defibrillators. Here we go. And smash it. That <laughs> this guy. This guy comes into life. This fucking guy. This fucking guy. <laughs> All right, so Smatch It is now in play. It has been yep. brought back to life, dug up. We're covered in dirt now, uh, leaving the mausoleum where it once was resting since the 19th century in what Scotland. Was, uh, what was going on in the 19th? <laughs> <laughs> like I said, guys, we're not professionals. Uh, <laughs> never claimed to be. Uh, but... Uh, okay, so yeah, so in writing challenges in the future, uh, if you work smash it into it, you're going to get some respect points. Yeah, especially this week. Yep, yep. So speaking of writing challenges, I Is think it it's time. I think it's time. <laughs> Wait, so what should we, do first? should we should we read ours to each other? Should we go through? Okay, well let's let's say what it was. All right. Um, why don't you why don't you tell us what the writing challenge was? Okay, so same but different. 
It is a challenge um, to write a story between 50 and 250 words about a prompt that must really explicitly kind of include something happening from a prompt in some way that's a really restrictive it's got to include just this thing happening but while it's same that's the part that's same and you know same but different you, the different part is you can't use any of the words from the prompt so like our, our challenge this time was the dog buried the secret in the backyard so like dog buried secret backyard were all words that we couldn't use in the stories that we wrote but in addition to those four words from the sentence itself, Mike and I also devised a, a devilishly uh, challenging sideboard of words that you also would not be able to pull from. And these were words that were similar to, to dog, bury. These were low fruit, so to say. And so the idea of the challenge that we're building with these restrictions is that it's hard enough to just to just recreate the prompt that you're kind of freed up from having to worry about any other parts of it being good. You're kind of just like, <laughs> if I can just creatively find a solution to this problem, then that's all I need to do. And that's, that's what we're talking about doing on this podcast, getting you out of like creative stumps, getting you out of creative ruts, just get it, putting rubber on the road to get some work done. Yeah. It kind of forces, it forces more tonal suggestions or so tonal selections. You know, you start, choosing words that have connotations and have their own color to them. And you're like, Oh, that's a dark word. Oh, mm -hmm. this story is going dark, you know? And then you, you keep choosing and it's like, it starts out with such a bland, boring, shallow statement. The dog buried a secret in the backyard. And what has come out of this? We posted this up on what, what was that? Uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wait, Saturday, Sunday. I think it was last weekend. Yeah, it was only up for a few days and uh, we got over 50 submissions and they're all over the board and it's so exciting and I was so pumped and one of the coolest things was uh, was just kind of the the proof of concept uh, already showing fruit uh, with messages that I got that was like, I was like, man, I haven't written in years. Thank you so much for putting this up. This was so fun. And, uh, and that is exactly why we're doing this. Like there's no, uh, there's no, there's no, you know, point systems or anything like that. As far as, uh, you know, we're not here to like, uh, show who's a better writer or anything like that. We're just here to get writing. Let's just get writing. And, uh, that was just, that was, that just felt so good already. We hadn't even recorded the first episode and, and it was the concept's already working. So yeah. just really excited. We'll dive into them. So what we're going to do is Ben and I have also written uh, uh, stories and uh, and we're going to share ours with each other. He hasn't heard mine. I haven't heard his. And we've also picked, um, uh, we've both picked three stories that we really liked um, that uh, we wanted to talk about. So um, I think we start out with, uh, let's let's start reading the, the let's do ours last okay okay um you want to go first why don't you go first because i have more than three so i can draw from a bunch in case we have overlap okay okay cool so uh my first one uh was uh was submitted on the comment section of my facebook page 
Um, and this is from Justin. And Justin did uh, copyright this. So <laughs> he put a little copyright logo in his name. So don't try to take this. Um, but uh, so this is, let's see, the year 3,542. The world changed over centuries since the war. Few humans had managed to survive and continue the human race by evading the, the, the sentience. The word resembles scientists, those who created them, but, those, but whose meaning was an ironic joke since the sentience had no traits of its meaning. No traits of its meaning. Today would change the fundamental balance bringing hope to survivors. Hope much needed as those alive had experienced nothing of the sort. Jacques was seizing an opportunity to venture out with the sentience where, uh, while the sentience were compelled to their metallic hives, they would remain long enough to re-energize, providing them the stamina to continue their dam domination for another two months before retreating again. In what had once been a thriving residential community, Jacques noticed an object partially protruding from the ground. When he brushed the years of detritus, he noticed something. Teeth marks from that once ubiquitous family pet, now extinct since the world had changed. Brushing the age from the surface, Jacques makes out barely legible letters on the case. Tattoos. T-A-T-T-O-O-S. A family pet had obscured an, an old body, body art tool with its own biological excavation tools. Why? Continuing, he revealed the answer to total overtake of sentience, T-A-T-T-O-O-S. The, uh, the canine bite mark made it unlikely to be a joke. Jacques tucked the container under, the, under his jacket. He was determined to uncover its truth. Doing so would set off a chain of events no one could have predicted. Pretty epic. Did you yeah. Huh? Did you do a word count on that? Uh, it it's in the it's in the zone. Yeah, that's a good. Like, I I'm just curious because I I I think it's really telltale. Like when it's exactly 250 words, I just like like knowing the psychology of that. Yeah. Let's see. <laughs> I'll, I'll do a count on it real quick. Let's go word count. Um. Here we go. Let's see. So he's got to be 250 word, uh, 50 to 250. He's definitely past 50. Hey, 249. He did it. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Great. It's like, it's so um, crazy to hear that and think that he fit that in. After doing the challenge, knowing how tight I had to get the scope. Yeah. Thing, it's like he... He actually set up a little universe. Yeah, yeah, it was it was awesome. I was I was blown away that uh, I I I just I really loved finding that. And after going through a bunch of stories and then seeing this, it was so it was so uh, out of the box of what I had been thinking about. And it, it had this whole like feel to it and everything. And um, I I really liked uh, a I loved that he used detritus. Detritus is such a great word. Um, <laughs> And I also loved uh, teeth marks from that once ubiquitous family pet. And like, that's how he said dog. 
Like that was that was so cool. Like this, the dogs are extinct now, right? And this dog hid this thing, uh, being a good boy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, so good job, Justin. That was awesome. Yeah, thanks, Justin. All right, what else you got? What? Give me one of yours. Okay. Um. All right. This one was super good. This was, I think, from your one of your Facebook posts in the comments. <clears throat> this is from Jessica. Do you have one from someone named Jessica? Do you want me to not do this one? No, I don't have one from okay. Jessica. The time had come. The damp brown earth laid smooth and untouched. His fur itched and his ear twitched. Bailey, come here, whistled Parker, the red-headed boy that chose me from the sad place. Just one paw's worth of soil, Bailey thought. Bailey, come, now, his voice agitated. Bailey huffed and went inside. After dinner, Parker opened the back door and the smell of ozone hit the back of Bailey's nostrils. Saliva began to form and was soon pouring out of his wrinkled mouth. Bailey shot out the door and flew over the stairs, not touching the aged wood. He went to the back left corner of the blue shed and pulled out a small silver disc. He picked it up with his mouth. Soil and grit covered his tongue. He found it. His first family had given it to him before they took him to the sad place. Sadness filled his heart as he walked over the the virgin ground he had scooped out earlier. The soil went flying as he unearthed the brown particles. He dropped the silver disc with symbols into the ground and covered it without looking. Unknown to him, his first given name was engraved there, but he would never know it. He never knew love until after the sad place. His boy opened the door. Bailey threw up his head and ran toward the sound. Parker scratched his neck, the scar of the embedded collar still pink. This, this is love, he thought. God, I loved that one too. Yeah, super sweet. Great pick, yeah. I loved the, um, the, uh, the, the dog perspective and, uh, and ozone hitting the back of the nostril was like one of the best parts for me. Um, the whole dog perspective was done super well. The sad place. The sad place, yeah. Right. And and I love the take on the challenge of the secret being a secret to the dog and from the dog. It's like it's totally the dog's thing. Yeah. It doesn't do with anyone else in the world. Right. Yes, the dog is the character who's dealing with the thing. And like I, I think I might have just said this a few minutes ago, but like all stories are about people. And it's like I was saying, like, it's it might be people or it might be aliens or it might be creatures acting like people. But it's always like about people. And that's like because that's what we're interested in as people. And yeah, it's like she wrote a story about a dog that is ultimately, again, a story about a person because like we're assigning human characteristics to the dog. But at the same time, this one's done extremely tastefully for a dog perspective, I think, where it really is blurring that line this is kind of not a story about a person. This is kind of about a dog. It, it may, I think it maintains enough of like a mental split there. Super yeah, cool. absolutely. I loved that one too. Um, I, I wrote, I wrote her back and was, and was talking about the, uh, the sad place, how I loved that. And, and, and you, uh, you, you mentioned a really great point of that, how it, how it is just all confined to the, to the, to the dog. You know, it's, it's, everybody else is, is completely secondary. Um, and, and he's his, it's his boy, you know, like, like the dog is, is the boy's dog, but the boy is the dog's boy. 
I love that. Okay, so uh, the uh, let's see here. the The next one I want to share is from my wife, actually. Um, Jenna uh, hopped in on this challenge, and I was so stoked that she did. I had no idea what was what was going to come out, and when I read it, I was just I was blown away. So uh, this is actually about our dog Lulu, and uh, it, uh, we always say that Lulu's a, a daddy's girl, um, and she's my she's my little uh, my little weirdo, but she's obsessed with going outside, um, and uh, like as soon as she gets at, as soon as she gets in, she wants to go right back out, and she's just like she'll go out alone. She's got she's a totally independent woman, um, and then and Jenna wrote this. Uh, this story about her meek and submissive an easy choice to claiming her position as the beta of the pack this is the place where her curiosity would not be questioned nor her attentiveness to what was beyond the window pane acknowledged but unknowingly to her fellow playmates and even her parents was a peculiar and unrevealed truth a place that she longed to be even after moments of being un being separated her sanctuary could only be found deep beneath the soil for she was more than just a descendant of ferocious beasts or a four-legged friend her late great-grandmother had been used as a sacrifice to form a blood path between animal and magical humans who fell from ships in the sky to this day the creatures of the forest gather with their fellow otherworldly creature friends to celebrate the covenant of two species becoming equals but not her she had been taken to be adopted by a family who would never truly understand her and what made her magical. For the fence that confined, confined her would never be enough. Because of this, her search for contentment would last as long as she lived. She only had one piece of memorabilia left, the magical knife used by the otherworldly king that took her great-grandmother's life. The blood-stained blade was, was the only thing that helped her remember she was more than just an animal. She too was otherworldly indeed. Boom. So she drops that on me and I'm like, aliens and Lulu and blood path sacrifices. It is Lulu. It's Lulu. Right. So where is this established? So this is established just in our backyard. This is like, like she wrote this, like looking out the window at Lulu, just freaking out, like, like running back and forth along the fence and everything. Okay. And so she, she creates this, this, uh, like basically Lulu has buried this, this magical knife in the backyard. And that's where she always wants to be. Uh, she wants to be near it. She's called to be near it because, uh, cause it, it just makes her feel closer to what she is but she'll never fully know. And, uh, when I asked, when I asked Jenna about it, I was like, I was like, are, so is she, um, at first I was like, is, is Lulu like a werewolf or like, what's, what, what, what's going on? She's like, she's like, no. So aliens, um, observed earth and found humans to be, uh, to be, uh, uh, um, too yeah, greedy, like to be a match and, and, and to be uh, unworthy of, of contact. And then they saw dogs and how perfect dogs are, and they decided to uh, to contact with dogs, 
and uh, the two species came together and they both offered up a human sacrifice as a blood pact uh, of um, of like a blood pact treaty of peace. And her great grandmother was the dog that was offered up. Uh, so not a sacrifice, uh, sacrifice of one of their own kind. Yes, yes. They right. each each kind sacrificed one of their own to right. symbolize the. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah, it's awesome. So I was just, I was so, I was so proud of her and so blown away, and I was just like, yes. So yeah. good job, babe. That was amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. Thank you, Jenna. All right. Um, this one, this one I like a lot. Uh, this is from Brandon. The shovel came to a sharp halt. The sound of the metal impacting a solid object. Intrigued, I took a knee and brushed away the soil compacting around the unknown item. I knew Halloween was, ne was next week, but I never imagined I would uncover a skeleton while working in the garden. At least that's what this appeared to be. It was small, only the size of my index finger. Same shape, too. My wife was in the kitchen, just cleaning up a recent spill caused by our mischievous German shepherd. I called from the garden as I walked back up to the porch. Hey, honey, come look at this. Should I call someone? The police, maybe? She took a quick look and laughed. I, wonder what happened to the I wondered what happened to the leftover chicken wings. She gave our German shepherd a playful glare. Rocky, are you trying to save some for later? I sighed in relief. That answers that. Maybe our guest is hungry, too? I brought the old, mostly eaten chi chicken wing down to the basement, shoved it into a small opening in a wooden crate, and started walking back upstairs. A weak, almost voice, a weak, almost whispered, thank you, came from the box. Good night, I replied as I turned off the basement light. Happy Halloween. <laughs> oh, that twist is so good. Yeah, such a good little... And it's so like, I, I don't know, what I loved about this one was just how tastefully it seemed. Like the whole thing was just written in like a very consistent voice. I appreciated it a lot. Yeah, just, it, it felt it felt uh, effortless, you know. It felt, yeah, uh, and, and, the, and the twist at the end, I, I, I could just see it. Like the whole setting of like carelessness behind this like, or just, just like whimsy or, or whatever yeah. you want to call it. Like, uh, like oh, <laughs> Oh, it's a chicken wing. Yeah. And they just like walk down and just kind of like, eh, here, here you go. It's all so casual. And then yeah, the casual, casual. And it's all written so casually. And then the happy Halloween. I mean, that's, that's something, I mean, got to give props to, uh, worked in the season too. So that's yeah. great. Yeah, for sure. It, it felt, it was just a super fun little moment and scene that I appreciate a lot. Yeah. All right. Um, all right. So this is uh, your last, last one, one I chose. Yeah. All right. Uh, this is from Daniel. This was on the O Sleeper uh, page found in the comments of the writing challenge. Um, and he said, uh, and this is another thing I love that he, before it, he said that I've never written anything before, but decided to try anyway. So that is awesome, too. It pumps me up. It's exactly what we want. And uh, if he's listening, Daniel, you should definitely keep writing, brother. All right. As the sun was at its peak, young Miles was finally ready to have a go at the at the piñata. Today is his birthday, eight years old and happy as ever. With the piñata tied to a tree branch and his trusty baseball bat in his hand, he was set to go. After ten spins, Miles was so dizzy he could barely stand. Swing one is a wild miss. Swing two is a solid, but uh, is solid but didn't break. 
Swing three, he winds back with all his might, and the bat crushes the piñata, and candy erupts in sugary bliss. As Miles and friends rush to grab as much candy as their little hands can carry, a loud noise echoes close by. Confused as to what the sound was, was it what what the sound was? It was came from. Oh, sorry, I got confused on that. Um, came next that it, it was what came next that caused concern. A vast and large cloud of dust filled the air and was heading in their direction. Moments later, alarms on the adult's cell phone began ringing. Soon, videos started popping up, talking about uh, talking of a large beast clawing at the earth. You couldn't make out much much other than the large pit of human remains and the beast that caused it. The beast was massive and had two very distinguishable features. He was red and had a tag with the name Clifford. <laughs> you not, did you not send me that one? I didn't see that no, one. That was on the sleeper page. Oh, wow. Yeah. Dude, that, yeah, that's really good. That was awesome. <laughs> Yeah. His, I kind of saw like a, uh, um, kind of, I, I like it kind of played out in my mind, like Cloverfield, uh, the handy cam one and just yeah. like, and like it turns it like <laughs> this and there's just like this cloud and it's like, you can kind of barely see through it. And then you just see like this, like a zoom in of like this pile of human bodies. And then, and then it like, it goes to this, like, like a blurry wash of red with Clifford on a name tag or something. I can already it's... see a CG Clifford like <laughs> yeah. destroying a city. Yeah, dude. Oh, I loved it. That was great. Way to go, Daniel. All right. My last one is one that I got from um, a professional writer from Nina, Wisconsin, award-winning writer, Michael Hopkins. All right. Um, so look him up if you want more stuff uh, in the in the vein of these sensibilities. The I'm gonna try to do it justice. Get my best uh, audiobook voice on. Yes, uh, let's go. <laughs> we found traces of lime in the back of your truck. Detective Fields held up a bag with white powder in it. We use it for gardening to help soil acidity. Diane Williams wanted a cigarette. Wanted to bite her nails wanted the telltale heart in her head to stop beating. She went through the checklist for the hundredth time, dispose of the poison, cut up the body, bag the parts, clean the tub, drive to the Northwoods, make the grave in the middle of nowhere on her father's 800-acre hunting land, dump the body and the lime, fill it in, and leave. What are your men doing with shovels in my garden? One of our cadaver shepherds is onto a spot of interest. Another detective, wearing blue rubber gloves, handed a bag to Detective Fields as he whispered into his ear. Fields turned to Williams. What's this? She shrugged. My husband's hunting retriever sometimes conceals toys there. This is a section from a tibia. Detective Fields handed the bag back to the other detective. Mrs. Williams, place your hands behind your head. You're under arrest for the murder of your husband. Williams really wanted that cigarette. <laughs> oh, man, that was one of my favorites, too. I chose one of the, I chose that one and knew you had it in there, so I picked a different one. It's just so good, and it's like I wouldn't say disheartening to read, but getting it back to back with mine, I would say I, it gave me a lot of things to immediately talk about that I noticed of 
it's like he's styling on it's like because it's 250 words right and i get this feeling so i've been getting into music production and guitar a lot recently and listening to great guitar players is really disheartening a lot of the time this sounds like they take these insane parts and write like and you can learn an insane part and like it's crazy like it these parts are um nuts but if you practice them slow you can play them fast ultimately it just takes time yeah but it's like when you're playing something really fast you get this like hurried kind of sound and it's like when you hear a really great player they'll play something fast but it somehow sounds totally relaxed yes sounds casual and it's like when you have a writing challenge like this 250 words to get out a good amount of content to to write like this was a i checked the word count on his it's like almost exactly 250 as well but it's like when you have um when you're working in confined spaces like that it's easy to feel rushed and it feels like sometimes you're giving out rapid fire bullet point details and i would i would term that the same way i term one of my beginner kind of guitar solos trying to imitate like tim henson going through like a rapid fire piece it's like a bullet point you're just trying to get each note in there mm-hmm. and it just feels like you you can try to get it all in and, and maybe you get it all in and it's all in there but then if you listen back to the recording it's like they're all like the same like volume like you were just yeah. going like, your velocities and everything like that yeah. and what i felt reading my story back to back with uh the, with mike's was like it was like he was styling on the 250. Like he had time within those yeah. words to just like be artistic yeah, and stylish and cool and to like make lines that sounded cool. Like I had to throw out the window the idea that my lines could sound cool in this. Like challenge. he did, he didn't, he doesn't sound constricted. No, not at all. It, it yeah. sounds is the most natural way for him to have told yeah. this. And maybe that's more than anything in a great understanding of scope, but mm-hmm. it's just, it's it's when you see it you know what it is and so it's great execution the what i what stood out to me about it that i i loved uh was i really enjoy dialogue driven stories that uh that aren't it's not all narration you know like that, that like where narration is actually minimal and it's really just like two people having a conversation and as you're reading how this person talks to another person and how this person responds and how they uh, react to their environment and stuff like that, it kind of paints the picture for you instead of reading that they're under a street light or instead of reading that uh, so-and-so was nervous, you know, like instead right. of like picking it up in, in their, in their, uh, in what they're saying in their dialogue is very interesting to me. And I find myself uh, on the novel, there was like full chapters that I just had to get the idea out. So I just, so the whole chapter is just, is just like all dialogue. And I've got to go in eventually and write in, he said, and she said timidly. And uh, as she looked out the window and as he, you know, twirled his pen, you know, I've got to go put all those in, but- you started in screenwriting, you said, right? Yes, and that's there. You go, like yeah. gotta gotta put it in the camera direction and stuff like that. But right. it's like all dialogue. It just feels comfortable. But I liked that. I, I liked reading his that way. Mm-hmm. Okay, so here we go. Uh, 
I guess uh, who wants to go first? You want me to go first? You want to go first? You go first. You go first. You go first. Okay. All right. Um, here we go. So, uh, here, I'm going to read it on my phone. My screen is just too far away from me. Uh, okay. Here we go. Pongo hadn't left Rogers much since the mysterious disappearance of his children. As for Perdita, her spots seemed to fade as she lay in their bed day after day, not touching her bowl. He licked them all day, but he always seemed to find more of that foul earth in his paws. Would now there always be some inescapable trace? For while his withering mate slept, Pongo had been about night work in the garden. Work to exact his wretched mercy. But that's what it was. He couldn't forget. For what life is it to live in fear of being snatched and skinned, never to romp uncollared in the light of day? So a mercy it was, one for only he to know, a wait for one. As for his dear Perdita, she would live saddened the rest of her days, yes. But at least in the far corners of her mind, she could find she could play fantasies of, her, of their children being found and rescued by loving families. But Pongo, cursed Pongo. His mind and what threads of soul he had left would be forever in contest between self-hatred and righteousness. Time heals all wounds, Anita would say. Such solace, but no. Time was his foe, for it crept by, it crept by in mulish slowness. The back window that once bewitched the clock to tick faster was dead to him. That view was dead to him. For there, beneath the roses, in earth and safe, he locked the bodies away, all 101 of them. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> you got me. <laughs> I didn't see that coming. Oh, I Bongo. Bongo's his name. <laughs> I totally forgot. <laughs> you don't know that's 101 Dalmatians right there. Yeah, baby. He killed them all. <laughs> Holy shit. He's, he's, yeah, he's been hard at work. Dark times. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, the, the, the lines in that are insane. Thank you. Like, the way that you wrote it is just so great. Like, I feel like every every line is like uh whoa thanks man should we <laughs> should we send the text to each other on this yeah, thing yeah, I, need it. I, need I, it. I, need I feel it. like it oh yeah hold on i'm gonna shoot it over uh here we go man i've been so nervous to 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 read that to you read that to everybody <laughs> everybody's submissions are so good i was like oh man oh let's see Yeah, you're, you're, I mean, like your writing voice, it's something I'm aware of because you, you bring this like really signature kind of punch to your lyrics and everything. It's just not something I, I hear oftentimes, you know, in written just paragraph form. And like, I think actually, dude, you know what it reminded me of a lot, honestly, the lines from it reminded me of the things that you wrote for that brewing company. Oh yeah. Like how dress in, um, the kind of just like Victorian, almost like poetic, like 
like the gruel like the slowness of time had to like had cruelly like you know what i mean the like, witch I, the clock <laughs> i love yeah. like any like uh kind of uh lovecraftian or or poish you know just dread right. and it's drenched really over like, things and it's that's really obvious to see like from knowing you that you're into that kind of thing it's just rare to to see someone super into it who can pull it off so effortlessly. Oh, thank you, man. Oh, wait. So you said you were at 250 words too. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, whenever we, uh, whenever we did a little test call last night, I was, uh, I was at like a hundred or 90. And then right after the test call, I was like, nah, I want to work on it some more. And then I went to two, I went to two ninety. And then I trimmed back to 250. <laughs> yeah, going back over it now, like I'm unable to understand more of the beginning now that I have the context of the end, like what he's talking about with what wretched <laughs> to exact it, work to exact his wretched mercy. But that's what it was here. It's so good. It's like this is the way because because it's 101 Dalmatians. Obviously, like it's like a kid's thing, taking it and then drenching it in this kind of like darkened gothic texture yes of, like, the way the words are sounding is such like it's like a meme it's like a <laughs> hilarious it's great dude i want to uh, i think I, I was thinking that we could um create a segment called flip the script where uh we intentionally take like take a comedy and write it as a tragedy take a tragedy write it as a comedy like yeah. do kind of like the 250 words thing um that could be a fun that could be a fun challenge should i read mine yes i want to hear it bring it on baby let's go all right open docs and here it is it's called moonbeams moonbeams all right lorenzo clutched a tattered journal to his chest as he skirted the corner of a cathedral behind the church a graveyard extended into the field and woods the full moon illuminated a woman standing at a fresh grave beside a mound of soil. She did not turn to see Lorenzo approach. Sister Wilhelmina? She craned her chin. And you are? I, I was told you have something I need. My wife has fallen terribly ill, so you've come for prayer. Lorenzo produced a sketch of a necklace, an amulet resembling a blazing sun. Underneath was scrawled curse catcher. You may be aware. But this is more than religious jewelry. Powerful curse protection. Have you seen? I cannot help you. She turned back away and clutched a hand to her chest. Forget this necklace at once. Leave. Never return. And speak of it to no one. Do you understand? Lorenzo tilted his gaze to a chain along her nape. He raised a shaking hand. I'm sorry. As he tore the amulet from her neck, Wilhelmina shrieked. Lorenzo reeled and fell. Moonbeams silhouetted her body, contorting and stretching unnaturally beneath her robes. She turned. The fur and fangs of a much larger beast sprouted from her mangling visage. Lorenzo screamed. When she finished her meal, she tossed his remains and journal into the grave. The necklace barely fit over her monstrous skull. She swiped soil into the pit until her paws turned back into hands, then finished the task with the shovel. <sighs> Oh, yes. I got such, uh, such Amelia vibes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> from yeah. Vicar Amelia from Bloodborne. 
Oh man, I love that. I love uh, uh, like like pretty much uh, when you said Wilhelmina. For whatever reason, I went straight to the uh, to the to the cathedral, and I was there, and like everything had that tone, you know, and and the voice was perfect too. Thanks. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's wonderful, man. So so oh, yeah, I mean. I, I have a lot that I want to say about it, honestly. Like, just doing the challenge got me thinking about so many things. Now that I've talked about it, like, okay. So, there, like, when I started this, dude, I got to 250. I was literally describing the way that the flame of the torch looked on the wall of the cathedral that he was walking by. And it was the first thing that I talked about in the story was the flame of the torch. And I got to 250 words. And I was at 250. And this was supposed, like, so the idea that I had was, like, I was like, all right, it's a dog. Wolves are dogs. Werewolves are dogs. This could be a werewolf burying a person. And I had this idea for a short story that I had already had called The Beast in the Apps, which is about a doctor who goes into a church to find like so he's looking for some cure for something and he's like looking for something mysterious there and he goes in if i don't know if you're familiar with like basilica type churches like mm. that they have like in europe and stuff they have this kind of central podium toward the back of the church that you can actually go behind and there's like alcoves in the wall in this back area and it's this very kind of creepy little alleyway that just mm. exists in in these old gothic buildings that um is behind the the pedestal where the priests will be speaking and so it's kind of this very philosophically meaningful place like it's it's the place behind the curtain um, yeah yeah and i just when julie and i were traveling through europe we were going to all these like basilicas and churches and so i was just seeing these things and getting like ideas for like stories and things but i was what just, is back there what's like, happened back there one of the coolest evocative thematic scenes that i had ever come up with i was super compelled by it was just this scene i was calling the beast in the apps which was just like this doctor who goes into the apps the alleyway behind the basilica and just like that's like there's like a werewolf like hidden and oh. he like, like a werewolf back like in the apps and so i wanted to do the beast in the apps and essentially just like have this guy who's trying to solve some problem going to a church and and then the thing turns into and it's like i kept paring it down like smaller and smaller and smaller like more and more to the point where it's just, I, I realized, obviously, we're only writing a single scene. It's 250 words. I, for some reason, thought 250 words was going to be like three pages or something. And it was like a paragraph. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like that was that was sort of what I want to talk about with with like spacing and, and style and what it feels like to have. Because I, I did, I took a few passes. And I think after editing it, I at least got like a, con, a consistent tone throughout. But still, a lot of my sentences are purely describing action, which mm. I don't think is a bad thing, like because it's interesting. But I, I when I look at something like um, Mike Hopkins, my uncle, my, the the one writer who I read last time, that is my uncle, by the way. So my like when I read something like my uncle Mike's story, that has like all all of this space to style in it to do things that are outside of like not not purely functional that are like yeah i don't know it's it's it it's cool to see scope handled in different ways i don't know like obviously yeah. to, to fit in my story all the action happening on camera obviously you you do need to make those sacrifices but it's just like mm -hmm. just, i think you did a great i think it was a great balance because uh 
the the all of the descriptors and the link that you went in on them like really painted the picture and uh you had a good balance of dialogue within that as, as well like I, I really didn't i didn't it didn't feel clunky to me at all um good. Good. That's, yeah. yeah i was i was i was happy with it after i went through a few edits so she at the end she she he grabs it mm -hmm. and it turns him into a werewolf no or it, it turns her oh she turns into the yeah okay so it was keeping her Curse it was keeping his wife's ill right so he's looking for a cure for his wife which is his wife's cursed with something but this amulet prevents curses Oh. And what do you got to not do when you're trying to get, you got to not just take it off someone randomly because they might be cursed. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so won't give it to him. So she tells him just leave, never talk about this to anyone because she doesn't want anyone to know that she's a werewolf. So she doesn't anyone want to know that she's wearing this protective amulet. And this dude shows up with a journal saying he knows about it. And so she's oh. just like, leave. I'll let you leave right now, but never speak of this to anyone. And he's like, I can't. My wife's gonna die. And Dude, so that is so badass. That puts a whole nother okay, so now it all clicks. And I also love it because I don't know, I, the, these kind of moments, like when you're talking about like a sick a sick loved one and a a rumor or a tale or uh, you know, like uh I I I always put myself in in stories and uh and I got to think like, would I do that? And I need to hear that. I need to see that on both sides of a character, like whichever, if, if I can't relate to either side of the reaction, that's when I'm starting to be like, oh, like that's not really a very well-made character, but, um, you have a sick wife who's dying and you're at your last in and you hear about this amulet that can, that can cure curses. And maybe you even heard that it, that it keeps her from being a werewolf or whatever like that. But that's pretty hard to believe. But having a, 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 a amulet for some reason would be a little bit, you know, maybe that would help, you know, maybe it's a charm. Maybe it's got some kind of properties. Um, but I would try it. I would go, I would try to get that amulet if that was the last thing. And then it, sh and her reactions of like, go, don't, don't do this and don't speak to anyone about it. And then yeah, just I like, it, like it's, so it's, there's a lot of the foreshadowing was another thing that I wanted to talk about with it because, so the story's called moonbeams and then it mentions a full moon in the first paragraph. So I was like, maybe people, since this is a dog themed story, maybe people will be like putting together like a werewolf type vibe. And I wanted that to be like a possibility that you could sort of get that from the foreshadowing. Um, and her, her reaction to, being someone who's alone at a woman alone at night, not turning around to someone approaching is like yeah. a real sign. Like she's actually not scared at no. all. She's just like scared for him. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so awesome, man. I love it. Yeah. So send yeah. me that. So I got I got to get it so I can read it over a few times. Yeah. Oh, this was great. Okay. So that, uh, yeah, that does it for challenge one. Challenge one, something or same but different. Uh, the dog Thank buried a secret in the backyard. Thanks so much to everybody for sending in your submissions. You made this challenge fun and possible. And we're going to be posting way more. Like we only talked about our like three of our some of our favorites each. Uh, but we there were a lot more that we liked. And so like we're going to be making some kind of editorial where we can 
we can like post a bunch of them and just roundups um, at the end of maybe every month or something once we have a bunch. So yes, is it time to introduce the next challenge for next? Yes. Month? So we're right. wrapping it up. We're wrapping up the first episode, and we're going to be ending every episode with a new challenge. And uh, in a couple of days, we'll be posting this challenge uh, again uh, on on our socials on uh, Right Guys uh, Instagram at Right Guys Podcast. Um, it'll be on, uh, my, uh, Instagram at Micah Kennard. Um, it'll be on Ben's Instagram. What is your, at I am dot I U M I dot I U M I. And it'll also be on our website, which we are building. It's not quite up yet, but it will be rightguys.org. Um, uh, but yeah, so please, uh, get in on these cause it's so fun. And, and I hope that everyone's just enjoying like brushing off the cobwebs of their pins and, and, or, or opening new doors that have never been opened before in their, in your creativity. Uh, but yeah, so let's lay it on me. What's our next challenge? All right. So the next one I am super, super excited about. It's a challenge that I am, I'm going to be participating. Obviously we're giving each other the challenges week by week, not really knowing what the other person is going to present, but we also have to do the challenge each time ourselves put our money where our mouth is prove that we're just not trying to create the most frustrating thing possible um <laughs> but uh so my challenge i have no idea what i'm going to do for yet is write a story that is also a recipe <laughs> okay so in some way like when i'm reading this like like there should be like an ingredients list of some kind and then instructions of some kind. But overall, it should inform me of something that's going on in the world outside of the universe of this meal being prepared. Like it should show me that there, that maybe it's someone specific writing it or something about it that about what's going on in the world that that colors the the way it's written that then, informs a story in some way okay mm -hmm. okay so a story that's also a recipe mm -hmm. so not a story about a recipe no a story that is a recipe and 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 you can take that super broadly like it's not like it has to like wrap up and be a meal at the end right like, what would like, could could you give us like an like a very elementary example yeah like someone someone like a um a mother who's writing a recipe while she's like taking care of her kids or something. And so like, there's like a part, there's parts in it that are like, and after you put the baby down for the fourth time, you can go and do this. And then like, Oh, and then it's like, if your baby starts crying again, then maybe you should go back to it and like smack it, like whatever, like <laughs> smack it. <laughs> right? like, yeah. <laughs> Essentially you get what I'm saying. So like create the story with, with the elements of the recipe by, by having kind of a, a subjective narrator that's, that's maybe riffing on something else or, or it's a recipe that's not for food. It's okay. Just, so it's yeah, just, a recipe could be anything recipe. It could, you could be, a, you could write a story about a bomb maker and doing like a shopping list or something like yeah. that. Like yeah, you could it, do, it's not like the ingredients list. It's not like this is necessarily a two-part story with ingredients list and instructions. Those are just like ideas of like, those would be the elements that are kind of making it a recipe, but those could kind of be put, if you want it to look exactly like a recipe where those are separated, that's great. That's awesome. That's totally in the challenge. If you want to do a story that 
mentions those things in a recipe type way however you want to do it you know if this is right guys you already know this is yeah not this is right guys we're just having fun it's more like, like let's see let's see what comes up let's see what what people right. do with this so don't get don't get too hung up on the rules yeah and it's, we it's, don't have any there's no sideboard on there there's nothing's off the table for this one i kind of would like it to be a little bit like you could make a, a story that's slightly more, but not crazy. Like let's say let's say four hundred or five hundred, maybe mm. four hundred words max. Okay, but minimum still minimum fifty. Yeah, feel free to do short, postable, just something in the comments, or feel free to do a couple pages. Okay, well let's just say we'll say just we'll just do a minimum, we'll do fifty word minimum. Fifty word minimum, four hundred word maximum. All right, four hundred max. Four hundred word max. Boom. Okay. There we go. So that's it. Write a story that is also a recipe. Looking forward to it greatly. Yes, me too. All right. I guess that does it for the first episode. It does. This has been awesome. I'm so pumped. I cannot wait to uh, to do the. I already can't wait to do the next one. Um, uh, again, just uh, thank you so much for listening this far, and thank you for uh, getting involved. Please get involved in these writing um, challenges. Uh, and, um, you know, I can't wait to start getting guests on here and all that and just see where this goes. Um, we hope that right guys, uh, does for you what we're hoping it does for us, which is just help us, uh, become better writers and to keep writing at the forefront of our minds and to push projects across the finish line, whether they be, whether they be professional projects or passion projects. Yeah. Creativity can be. Uh, worked on, sought after, and achieved, and we're here to prove that. Absolutely. Amen. Have a great week, and have a great uh, life, and we'll see you next time. All right. Right, guys, out. Woo.